morning. It is a Wednesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. That would make me Glenn, him Griffin, and uh, Drew Forrester from DrewsMorningDish.com is here. Shame we don't have anything to talk about uh, on today's program. Uh, coming up a little bit later on this morning, our friend, the professor, former uh, sports executive, multiple major league level clubs, Marty Conway, will check in with us. We'll get his thoughts on the impending sale of the Baltimore Orioles. What a birthday gift I got yesterday. That was a hell of a day, right? Oh, my. A hell of a day. What a birthday gift. Yes. uh, Hey, how'd the football team do? Drew's here. Yeah, I don't don't remember. Drew's here. It's unbelievable, right? It's completely I mean, if we ever needed that. Drew's here, and yesterday he did turn, uh, what, 75? 74. 74. 74. Years young. Now I'm going to be able to shoot my age, at least. That's a great point. You got that going for you, which is nice. Nice. It's the lowest round you've ever shot in your 64. Wow. So you're approaching it. I'm getting there. You're, you're. I don't think I could do it this year. I'd have to shoot 60 to beat my age. But if you shot, shot your 61, 61's awfully hard. The only way you could, I could do it is if I could find a par 70 course and had the day of my life. But I'm getting close. It's the easiest course there is to play. Like, what's a course that's so easy you won't even play it? Well, I don't, I don't know. I don't even look at that. I mean, I... I I don't. There's got to be a course everybody knows is the easiest course. Like you laugh about. Like we're not gonna play there. No, I'd play anywhere. Honestly, you have a. You do I'd have play a anywhere. You have a problem. I'll play anywhere with anyone. I enjoy playing. Yeah, so I, no, is that so? Well, <laughs> yeah, right. Surprise. I, I enjoy Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. I actually, She's kind of cute. I actually. It's like when your buddy says, "You know what? I'd hit that." Be like, yeah. Yeah. Really. really? Right. W- would you? <laughs> that pile of sticks if it said yes. Right, 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 sure. <laughs> are those Jesus. sticks breathing? Right. right. Jesus Christ. All right, what are we uh, doing? Yeah, hang on. Marty Conway will join us later, also later on this morning. We will uh, have a little more Ravens talk. Dan Wilcox is going to check in with us Who? at some point. Yes, I know. That's your guy. And uh, Trey Wingo will join us. Whoa. And, um, what? The Dan Wilcox? <laughs> you settle down over there. I know. That's your Number guy. Number 83? Yes, that one. That one. I said something. That guy. I remember sending something to Kevin Byrne once, and I'm like, Kevin, I, I'm de- I'm kind of demanding this, but I'm also asking you to really evaluate the prospects of Dan going into the Ring of Honor. <laughs> and Kevin's like, Yeah, Drew, I, I don't think, think that's might, happening. I think he might come up short. And I and I and I said this could affect our relationship. Oh, it's, that could be the one. Not putting Kev Dan Wilcox in the Ring of Honor. How'd that go? Oh, Kevin and I don't talk much anymore. Yeah, I was anymore. just gonna say. <laughs> I bet he's still working on it though. Yeah, my man, number eighty-three. All made, right, made Joe Flacco what he is. That's true. He caught the uh, first ever touchdown. We all remember that. We were in Pittsburgh, and some guy was trying to fight with us. It was a whole thing. Have you found yourself? And I'll, I'll, I'll be the guy and raise my hand. This of all the days. Have you found yourself? Listening to more Taylor Swift music recently? Not at all. Not even a little bit. Griff, have you? Uh, no, I haven't. I, I have. I slightly. I I have. You, I, you know what? I, I think say, you're the target audience. So She got me. Sense. They got me. Yeah, they got you. Yeah. Girl can sing, man. I eh. mean, maybe like one song more just because I'm like, oh, okay. Maybe I not, haven't heard this one yet. Not I, even one. I'm trying song. to get the Coward Hall golf team to learn not how to do one. the surfing thing. This Whatever that that's called. What's that I, called? I, swag surfing. I didn't think it I was love po- it. I didn't think it was possible for it to be whiter. I love <laughs> or, it. And you said, I'm trying to get the Calvert Hall, which I've <laughs> gotta be honest with you, 
might replace anything I've ever said is the whitest sentence that's ever been said. I love that thing, whatever yeah, it's called. I, I What's it called? Swag surfing. Oh, it's my hair stands up on the back of my yeah, neck does when it? I see him do it. All right, enough of you. Enough of you. She is adorable. Is she? Oh, is she? You? Yeah, I don't. I don't know how to figure this out. This is actually on. Oh, I'm a Swifty. No, they, like like eight years after everybody else is interested in something, <laughs> you're like, hey, oh, she was. You, you walk. Not, you walk in one day and you're she's like, she's not hey, a have thing you guys, anymore. Have you guys heard of this Taylor Swift? She's not a thing anymore. I mean, I think she's still a thing, but it's like Ted Lasso. Like you walk in three years after everybody's been watching Ted Lasso. Well, I like, let stuff marinate. You, you, is that what it is? <laughs> How the hell did we lose that football right, game? We're not doing that right now. We'll oh, get we're to not? that later. It happened three days ago. Are you I aware of what's going on in the world since then? I assumed that's what we were talking about you today. You think that's what we're talking about today? God, I did a, I prepped to two hours for a radio show last night, and then at 6.15 threw all of my prep into a trash can. Wasted two hours of my day. But, all right, well, ask me some questions. Um, let me answer them. What is going on? Well, we got a radio show today. You know what's really funny? I actually said last night, I was like, you know what? The good news is this is one of the few things that I think Drew actually will be good to talk about. Like, I actually think that- I was there. To all- I was, I- no. Not the football game. <laughs> Guy. Bitterly disappointed. I bet you were. My, my Mrs. Clark paid a lot of money to go. When Terrell Suggs came out, how was it? Stop it! Okay, sorry. God, don't encourage him. Well, I want to know. Jesus, today's show is the brought to you by nuts. I'm gonna lose it. I'm gonna lose it. I can't. I can't work like this. Superbook.com. Download the Superbook app. Use the code Glenn Clark twenty three when you sign up. You'll receive up to two hundred fifty dollars in a same day first bet match, win or lose from Superbook. Again, the code. Glenn Clark 23 when you sign up and you will get that uh, first bet match. I was trying to look at uh, Loyola seven and a half point dogs on the road at Bucknell tonight. I think I like the bison there. I think I like I the know. bison. Bucknell's, so. I guess they're better than Loyola. Yes, they are for sure. Um, Navy four and a half point dogs on the road at Lehigh. Those are some lines for tonight. Yes, let's get into it. We still don't know much of what we need to know. It was weird last night being on the air because and I said it's funny when we found this out I was actually sitting in Chuck Sapienza's office having a conversation when the news broke and I said this is awkward because there will be part of this city that will want us to react like it's Dan Snyder selling the commanders and I've got the responsibility of saying it's not that well part of this is different too because it didn't happen in the season it, this would be a way different reaction if this happened in the baseball season. This is definitely a different feeling because it happened in the winter. Um, in part, I would say that. But I, it, dude, if this was, I'll make up a date. If this is June the fifth, right? Then you're saying the next game, people would there'd be a sold out crowd, 100%. and people would be bonkers. One hundred percent. And that part of it, I don't disagree with, and I don't disagree that there's energy. But we still have to say certain things. Like we still have to say this. They won 100 games last year. Like, we have to acknowledge that. I, it's a complicated conversation. And overall, I think the Angelos family has had extraordinarily poor leadership of the Baltimore Orioles. And we all know that the Peter Angelos era was disastrous. 
I don't think John Angelos is that been, your word. Yes, that's your you have, word. You have another word. You're cl- no, no. I'm asking you. You're clinging to that. That's your disastrous. You you think these 31 years have been disastrous? I, I think the Peter Angelos led Orioles. That's what I'm saying. That's 31 years. That's different. He has not been the point person oh, for the oh, Orioles. Okay, the, for five years. Yes. Okay. I so Peter, the, the overall the Peter, Peter Angelos, Angelos era, era was disastrous. Okay. I think that John Angelos is a has not been a good leader, but yet the baseball team has been on really solid footing. And so when I talk about this, it's very difficult for me because the hope and the thing that will get me to react like you all will be if David Rubenstein holds a press conference and says, I'm here because I believe in what the Orioles are doing. I want that to continue, and I just want to be able to fortify it and have us spend a little bit more money. If that's the case, I'm going to be partying. What I worry and I, I say worry, it's not even the worry because it would seem unlikely. But what I don't want to hear or I don't want to see, no matter what he says, is what often is the case whenever someone wealthy takes control of something and they say, I want to do it my way. This is the it's the rub, right? I think... Today is a really good day. I think that this is a positive step for the Baltimore Orioles. But I've got to see it first. I'm, I'm, I can't even believe it, you and I. We're like brothers. Um, I'm exactly the same way. And I, I've been saying this for 14 hours or whatever. I'm very excited to see the ownership change. Beyond excited. That said... We, more than anyone, I mean, you're, if there's any city and any group of sports fans who have the right to say, yeah, we're going to wait and see how this plays out, we are the ones. Correct. So I'm elated that this dude bought the team and the other guy, I'm, uh, I had, it's, it's, this is kind of funny. I wrote about this today at Drew's Morning Dish. I had, I reached out to three or four people. I, I reached out to three or four people in in that world that I know from Baltimore. Only two of them bothered to get back to me, and they had diametrically opposite opinions. One of them made a commentary about the fact that he's a woke billionaire who wants the spotlight. The other one said, everything this guy has ever touched, and, and in fairness, the second person who got back to me worked around and with him 20 years ago. Still runs in the same circles, but it is not connected to him, but said everything David Rubenstein touches turns to gold. He's extraordinary. So they those two guys had kind of opposite opinions. But in, it, the funniest part of the first commentary when the guy got back to me and said he's a woke billionaire who all he wants to do is seek the spotlight, the w- most important word What's in funny that. funny about that is I'm pretty sure that somebody else told me that he was friendly with Donald Trump. One of them. Which would be the almost exact opposite. Yeah, I don't of, think that's the case at all. But anyway. Um, one of the most important words of that was billionaire. Well, yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. I agree with that. Right? The only word yeah. I care about, and yeah, that's yeah, billionaire. But yeah. anyway, um, so I, I, I'm all for. I'm all. I'm, I'm giving this. I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt as it relates to whether or not they're going to be great owners, and are they are they what we need? I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. But I'm going to say the same thing you said. When I see it come to fruition. 
and I see action, then I'll be able to make a better assessment of it. And Peter, if you go back from 93 until about 99-ish, Peter was Peter was different. Now, I don't know that it all started with the Messina departure, but Peter was different. Some people would say it started when Cal streak ended and um, or when Cal broke the streak right, and then yeah, the, the Peter, Peter stopped caring. Yeah. But Peter at the beginning what wasn't terrible. He wasn't. And then something happened. And I would say the cautionary tale in that is we, we don't know until we see this group in action, and these guys are different, in that their careers have been built in in the in the private equity world where the only thing that matters profit. in that world profit is investment and profit it's all that matters profit so so it is if you're if you're one of these people and I I encountered some of these people yesterday if you're one of these people who want to ignore that and just say you're just you're just being a prick to be a prick. You can say that all you want, but that is the reality. The reality is these two guys are billionaires for a reason. They've made very very wise investments over the years and turned those investments into profit. Correct. So let's hope that they use the same sort of you know expertise to do that with the Orioles, and I don't care if in three years or five years or ten years. They sell the Orioles for $5 billion. I, I couldn't care less. What I really want them to do is run and steward the franchise well, in, in the manner in which we believe it it should be run. And, you know, who are we, right? We're, we're just the people that buy the tickets. But I'm, I'm excited they're on board. I love it. I'm thrilled. Enough's enough, as we've all said for years. But I also think... You know, when I, I'm not going out here and doing handstands on Lock Raven Boulevard. Like, let's wait and see how it goes. That's where I am. But I'm thrilled with it. I'll add in two thoughts. I would say, firstly, I hope that the thing that everybody believes is the case, I hope that's the case. I hope that David Rubenstein loves the Baltimore Orioles because he grew up as a Baltimore Orioles fan and that part of him being interested in being the owner of the Baltimore Orioles is wanting to see the Baltimore Orioles succeed. That there's a, a selfishness that's involved with this, that it's not just I want to own a baseball team because baseball teams are very profitable and I see the way to profit off of them and I kind of don't care about the team. I just, it's something I can own that I can make profit off of. The fact that he wanted to own the Nationals first makes me wonder if it isn't more of the latter than the former. But I hope the answer is this is someone who loved the Orioles specifically wanted it to be the Orioles because he cared about the Orioles and is willing to say, hey, look, if this one isn't isn't quite as important to me as the other things that I do in terms of just profit. I heard the other I heard the Nationals thing too. And and I guess I would flush out, is there any way at all he was using that for leverage with, with John Angelos? Maybe. But the people that, that I have talked to would suggest no, it was very real. Like he just wanted to get into baseball ownership. Like okay. he just really and for what it's worth. If you can't the, get into NFL ownership, this is the next best thing. I it, at the time <laughs> I mean there's an argument. At the time I mean, the NFL ownership thing is a joke. It's, the, it's it's insane. It's nuts. At the time, that was the team that was available, right? right? So 
if 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 the Orioles were available at the moment, maybe he would have never been interested. You in think this? No one's talked about this at all, and and I I couldn't care less. And maybe it's a question for Marty Conway. It probably is. Do you, what did you think about the price of it? Uh, in what way? Who 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 got who? I don't know. I somebody Forbes I think recently evaluated the Orioles at like two million two billion dollars. So that argument would be that he got the better end of it, but. As and I and diving into it, I still don't know. Like, for example, a lot of people pointed this out. Do we still have an answer yet on the 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 rights to de- the development rights around Camden Yards? Is there some world in which John Angelos was given a parachute of like you still get to keep the development rights for the area? We get the baseball team in Masson. Like there are parts of this that we still don't know. We know that Masson is involved. We know that they acquired that David Rubenstein and uh, his group will acquire Masson in addition to the Orioles. Good luck with that. Is there any part of this that that John Angelos and the Angelos family will ultimately keep and will be separated from the Baltimore Orioles? Well, here, <laughs> here's what I would say. You and, and I don't know this, and when I say that, when I say this with a snicker, I, I don't know this. But here's what I would say: somewhere along the way. They're getting over. <laughs> they just are. You because, just know they because are. they're smarter. You just know. Yeah, they are. I mean, I hear you. You know they are. I hear you. The thing's going to be called Angelo's Park at Camden Yards or something. I, something, I don't think something, that. But I'm, I'm just saying, I hear dude. You. you know, and I know that, it, and, and it might not be until like August. Although it might not be till August right. until August until the statue starts getting built, and people go, "That looks like a lot like Peter." It's weird. It's really weird. That, that statue looks a lot like Peter. It's really weird how that works. Are you guys putting a statue up? Like right. somewhere, somehow, they're going to get the last laugh because they always do. Probably, <laughs> probably right about it. Um. I, I I thought 1.7 billion was insane when I first saw it, but that speaks. I, I, to, I like blinked four times. I'm like, you, you got 1.7 billion dollars to the ability for major league well, owners to profit to the off of the, the, the ownership. It speaks to the it. it this is, we're not 1994 anymore. It speaks to this is what these teams go for. I just couldn't believe it. If you would have said to me yesterday, if you would have called me and said, hey, I got a tip. The Orioles just been sold. Right. What do you think they went for? I honestly would have said one point two million. Uh, one point two billion. Okay. One billion. One point two billion. Like I, I would have never in my wildest dreams thought they could almost get two billion dollars. That's that. that's the nature. The network's of, dead, by the way. It's, the network's terrible and it's dead today. But the whole concept's dead. I understand that, and it might very well be. That, Twenty years ago, it was awesome at, because the government said right. Every one of you are going to pay, pay $5. Dollars. The, but the, the, the but you're dead. still going to have to pay to watch Orioles games. Like that, That's not going to go away, whether oh. it's in your cable package or you subscribing over the top. Oh, one, one so the percent. point of owning Masson isn't necessarily about owning Masson. Agreed. It's about having the rights to a baseball team. That's that why I just said the network's for. dead. The network's dead. It, and, and, and I hope I'm here for this. By 2030... And you're going to watch every single Correct. game through your computer. Correct. Well, I mean, through streaming. But that's what I mean. Right. You're, it's going to have to go through some device to get to your television. Right. And you will pay. Uh, you make up the number. I don't even know the number. You're going to pay $29 a month that's to watch all the games. telling everybody when they were whining about Peacock. is like you're fighting a fight that's over. You're, this it's, is it's the way over. it's going to be. Like this is – there is no NBC The anymore. Super Bowl will cost there, you 49 not, That's and, and Now, now you're going the wrong way. It no, won't. 
That Here, won't happen. Here's here's the thing. The I, I shouldn't even bring his name up after last week, but like Vince McMahon had it all figured out 20 years ago. You people will pay for this. You just will because you love it. it. To some extent, that's true. It's still more valuable. He had a good there's, week, didn't he? Yeah, he sure had a hell of a week. Um, there are still oh there's still more value to people that want to that, that what they do is entertainment or content. There's still more valuable to have live sports for them than to sell it directly over the top, which even the that WWE figured will out. That will not exist in 2030. It's not about whether the. It, I, I'm just saying. Right. There will be no more massing on your television. Or, or there might be, and it just might be that it's a massing app that they still It'll own. It'll be called that, Orioles app. Whatever they want to do with yeah. it, whatever that looks like, I, and we'll see because they might still find value in producing content for other people, and so they might still want to pretend like it's something besides just the Orioles. Are they I signing Gunnar Henderson or not? We got stop. We got. That's you, all we care about. Just let let's go one thing at a damn time. That's all man. we care about. Yeah, I, like this, if we get him on today, it's the first question. I, I, am I learning that you're actually ADD? Like, am I figuring that out? About what? Your older age. Who? Is who? <laughs> Inability to just talk, and then we move to the next topic. Let me tell you what's wrong like, with this country. Hey, yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. The, the guy that can't play by the rules on the internet games. That's that's what's wrong like with the that. country. I, and, and those five were spot on, were by they? the way. Well, somebody beat you up over one of them. Oh, yeah, uh, the flyover. Yeah. I don't care. Oh, you say even the Navy, fly the friggin' plane. <laughs> what, are we? if we're going to go bomb somebody, are we worried about the weather? I, I think we are. By the way, who is the, the, the dope that said that they pushed D-Day back because of the weather? When, like, they definitely pushed D-Day back because of the weather? I don't know. <laughs> but the whole thing's Sunday. T-Pain, terrible. All right, all right, Bolden's all right. hat. Would Bolden's you, hat really pissed me off. Would you stop? Could I please continue a conversation? Oh, I don't care what they do please. as long as they re-sign Gunner. Well, let's get to that in a second. Give him the money. Let's get to that in a second. Um, you know what? Fine. We can go there. Because I think it's the other part of this. The other part of this that I was reacting to last night were the people that said, this changes everything now. And I don't know. I don't know either because I don't know if they look at giving a baseball player $400 million as a good investment. I, it's part that. Right? right? I mean, that's what they do, right? Yep. They they That And that is why I keep saying, hold your horses and let's let the thing play out because – and, and I'm by no means am I trying to segue this into saying John Angelos is a is a, a private equity uh, you know expert. John Angelos pretty much told you last summer they didn't think giving Gunnar Henderson that kind of money in the future was going to be a good investment. That's pretty much what he said. He said we're we're not going to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And and what he then said was we're we're going to need you to do it. Right. If you really want him, we're going to need you to do it. But we don't think it's a good investment to give a baseball player, and his dad said this 25 years ago, why would I give Roy Oswalt $17 million a year? He only works once every five days. you, You have to be willing, and this is not easy to do other than the Dodgers, you have to be willing to look at this and say, I'm not doing this for ROI. I'm just not. Well, I, 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 there is an end to, and, and, yeah. and not to bring up the Ravens, the Ravens are a perfect example of this. They, the Ra- only one team wins. So this, this quest for triumph, only one team is going to do it at the end of the year. And so if you're going to sink all this money into the baseball team and, you, and they don't win, as, a, as the guy writing the check, 
Do you consider that a worthy return? I would go a step further than to say I think there can be ROI. I think there can be return on investment. I think that it's harder it's harder to quantify those things, and it's more difficult to do it when you say it's one player, right? Like, well, it's, but it's also easier. It's way easier to do it when you don't attach the winning and the losing to whether or not you're getting a return on it. Steve Bashotti right. is getting a $200 million return on his investment. And I'm not saying Steve doesn't care that they lost on Sunday. I'm sure he does. But I, I tell you what Steve really cares about. Right, are they profitable? $200 Correct. million. Yes. Right. But that's and that's because Steve gets on his airplane but, and says, right. only one team can win. Right. I wanted it to be me. Yep. It isn't me. But I didn't lose any money Sunday. And on the whole now, he might have lost some because but, of some residual stuff, but right. you know what I mean. Correct. He, I mean he did. He did lose yeah, he some, lost some he money did because lose they didn't some money win. because they would have made more money oh, sure. if they had gone on to the sure, Super Bowl. Sure, sure. Right? But, but it's but his, correct. the value of his the value of his business didn't change. Correct. I guess a hundred percent accurate. A hundred percent true. I would say that there is absolutely reason to think that the, the dumbest thing we could possibly say, you stand to make more money when you invest money. If the product is better, you stand to be more profitable off of it. And that's the thought process that people will have about new ownership in Baltimore, that David Rubenstein will understand that. Now, Steve Cohen understood that. Did it make a difference? Did it? Well, that's the thing, too. There's... There are examples for everybody around town who just poo-poo's this, like they're uh, and says, oh, billionaires, uh, they're billionaires because they're really smart and uh, we're going to win." There are the Angels haven't won, the Yankees haven't won in a while. The Mets are going the opposite way. Like just because you're a billionaire doesn't mean you're going to make all the right calls to get the team to win. It. Right, and it, it's, and it's, it's very obvious. We, we don't know that they want to wildly spend money, and we don't know that just wildly spending money is the correct answer. And it goes back to what I said before. Like, I don't want them to come in and rip up what the Orioles have been doing. I, I As much as I don't think that well, John... I think An- we'd all agree with that. I don't think John Angelos was the right person to run the team, but we have to acknowledge that the Orioles have been on solid footing, particularly in the Mike Re- uh, Elias regime... And John Angelos hired Mike Elias. And and reconciling that is something that people don't want to do, but it's reality. The reality is Mike Elias was chosen by John Angelos to lead this baseball team. So if you want to say, well, I, I only give Mike Elias the credit for it, I, I think they went in spite of John Angelos. That's fine, but Mike Elias doesn't exist without John Angelos. No and is there any way, much like you see with other mergers and acquisitions, can't even believe I'm going to say this. I didn't write this this morning because I didn't want to upset everybody. Is there any way John Angelos is going to be involved for two, yeah, it's some sort two of or role. three years? I mean, particularly considering that his father will still own 60% of the team. Right. Is there any way John still has a role? And and again, I would. here's what I would say, and I'm probably closer to you on this. I You, you made an interesting point earlier. The Peter Angelos... You use disastrous. I don't know that I would use that. But on, I, but on, I, the, but I, on the whole, no, I know. Like there, know. there were blips. There were moments. But on the whole, the problem is that the blips, the good moments were that's earlier. the problem. The recency bias. Well, I mean, the, the 2012 still happened. 2012 to 2016 was still under Peter's watch. It's John had right. taken a little bit more control, right. but he wasn't but the I control think John, person. I think John's report card would be much cleaner than Peter's. John, in, in fairness, I know he's not the most well-liked dude in town i get it but he he has he, your your point's very valid this is 
This was always the argument about, uh, in the football season, this was always the argument about Munkin. Everybody hated John because of his allegiance to Greg Roman and said John doesn't know what he's doing, and then John hired Munkin, and everyone said Munkin's great. Right. And no one said... Right, well, who picked John? Todd right, Munkin? Right, right, right. So, like, we do this all the time, right? It's always to fit our narrative. John has done a decent job. I'm, I'm not going to say he's done a, a great job, but he's done a decent job. And part of that is... With, with some really awful and embarrassing moments mixed in. 100%. Like some truly... 100%. The, the, the type of stuff that shows you can't be the... You, 100%. you are not capable of being the point person for a baseball team. Uh, the, the thing, the Martin Luther King Day thing a few yeah. years ago with the records and getting pissed off with Dan Connolly, and I'll show you the books, like... That was clown shoe. It was stuff. one year ago. It was stupid. It right. feels it was, like it, it was, was forever. Right, whatever it was, <laughs> that was clown shoe yeah. stuff. Like you're a moron. Yeah, the, but the Kevin Brown but, thing was embarrassing. Horrendous. It was embarrassing. Well, uh, and in fact, of all the things they did, that probably was the worst thing John did. Of well, all the things probably, John did, probably John did. Yeah. Of all the things that was, I, I almost had forgotten about that. That was dreadful. But John, John did some good things, and John also, unlike his dad. John also at some point said, I just don't know baseball well enough to keep my hands mixed into this. And Peter, and Peter had some moments too. Peter, remember, said, we're not signing Aaron Seeley. His shoulder's bad. Peter also said, we're not giving Roy Oswald $17 million a year because he only works once every five days. Peter had... And he also fired John Miller. Oh, no, and no, no. he also right, fired right, right. Davey like, Johnson. Sure, sure, sure. And he, you I mean, know what I mean? Just... Like, the, P- the Peter thing, there's no... But com- John, I think John... I think John Angelos has been, I don't want to say maligned. I also think that's unfair because, as you just pointed out, we got these two things that happened this year. I don't think he's been maligned. But I think John has done more good than people give him credit for because of his last name. And, and the biggest thing he did was he said, I've seen, I don't think he would ever say this publicly, but maybe he would over a couple glasses of wine or a martini. I've seen what my dad did. And I love my dad, and you and I. I mean, my dad's not here anymore. Your 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 dad's done dumb stuff in his life where you where <laughs> where you say hello. Where you, where as a kid you didn't realize right. it, but later on you're like, yep. well, my dad was thinking with that right. one, right? right? Like we've all done that with our dads. And I think at some point John said, I, I can't keep doing these. I love my dad, but my dad did some really bad things to the organization, and I need to I need to learn from that. And John, from what I know of him, wasn't always – John was always stubborn. And finally, John gave in and said, I'm just going to let Mike Elias run it. And for people – I, I, I want to write about this tomorrow, and I'm really trying – so I'm glad we brought this up because I'm, I'm trying to figure out a way to say this. Owning something and, and spending a lot of money on it and then not – being not not wanting to control it is very difficult. It's very for a lot for a lot of people. And I'll give you this <clears throat> example right here. I, and I don't know anything about the business. I don't know anything about the way the business of press boxes run. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. The fact that Stan isn't in here every day is, is a testament to him. It's a testament to him. He owns it. In some way, shape, or form. And again, I don't know the business dynamics of it. It's probably not a, a, a good apples okay, to apples. But maybe not. I, I, but, but the person that owns this yes, correct. isn't in here. Right. It can't be because Micro, there's three of us here. Yeah, micromanaging everything. Right. So the, the, the idea that you... And you and I can certainly speak to 
well, examples. Okay. Well, that is a good example. That is a, so, and I'm doing all of this to try to give John some credit, right? Because that is a good example. That at the former radio station where we worked, it was incredibly micromanaged, and I and, and most functional in the moments when it wasn't. Co- correct. Most functional when that person was away. Correct. And I would say, in a in a WKRP ish kind of way. It's probably what made this station charming, and I'm not talking about just you and I. Right. I'm talking about in general. What made the station charming was the fact that it really was, at its core, it really was sports talk radio. And 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 you and I, and others there too, I'm not suggesting others didn't do the same thing we did, but you and I would say, open the phones up and let people call in and talk and vent and the person controlling that said, that's that's not what we do, because that shows you're not an expert. And I'm like, I, I, I don't know that any of us are experts, because we're not in the locker room. You yeah, believe it or not. Believe it or not. We all think we know what play they should draw up on every... We Correct. Don't. And, and that's really hard, and, and you've seen it play out this week, yeah. obviously, with the Munkin and the running game and Harbaugh this and Harbaugh... We, the, you, you all want to know the reality? We have no idea what the hell we're talking about. Yep. You want to really know Hi. the truth. Len Clark, you idiot. Want, you want to know what we're talking about. Idiot. Honestly. I heard some guy the other day when I went to the Maryland-Michigan State game coaching the game next to me. There you go. Talking about how Kevin Willard's terrible. There you go. And, I, and, and it took everything I had to say, you know, Kevin Willard took a dump this morning at 7-Eleven in the morning, not at 7-Eleven. <laughs> Kevin Willard took hey, – What, t- what I'll, is going it, on over I'll make here. it 7-12. <laughs> Kevin <laughs> Willard took a dump at 7-12 this morning, and when he did – he forgot more about basketball than you know. It took everything it's I gonna had. Be, it's going to be weird when you tell me that it was Gary Williams yeah, who right. was yelling at him. <laughs> but this is a long way, long-winded version of saying, like, John, John, John really does deserve some credit for saying, I- I've seen how this has gone, and this is, and we've been doing it wrong. And you've got to be able to have the fortitude to say, I'm going to let you run this, and I'm going to get out of your way. And I'm telling you, that's very hard to do when you own it. Very hard to do. And, I, and I've kind of been there and done that as a business, small business owner. I've had people work for me that I've had a very difficult time saying, you do you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I've done it myself. No, I think your inclination is, I've got to do everything. I've got to... 100%. Right? And your inclination... Nobody and, cares as much as I do. And this, and it's funny you mention this because I, I had a conversation with Pat Scary about this. It's very difficult for a coach to do it because ultimately it always comes back to you, right? It always comes back to you. When you say, I let my assistant draw that play up and it didn't work, the athletic director says, well, I don't care about that. You're the coach. Yep. We lost yep. because we, we didn't have an inbounds play. Right. That's your fault. Yeah, but I let the assistant coach. Well, who hired him? Well, I did. Yep. It's your fault. That's correct. Yeah, but he drew the play up. Yep. Right. Who let him do that? I did. That's your fault. Correct. So the fact that John was willing to do that with Michael Elias is really a testament to him, in my opinion. Now, now did again, he take too much control balance, over other things? Right. right. Does that balance out you <laughs> getting in a fight with the play-by-play guy, the TV team? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. But anyway, I just... I think we're going to be doing a lot of this in the next X amount of months. 
And I think it's very fair, despite his failing health, it's very fair to to be critical of Peter in in what we've all experienced with him. But I, I think we need to give John his due in, in that he has done things differently than his dad did. And I, I would say it a different way. I would say I don't even need you to, to recognize John Angelos, right? Because somebody would say it's the bare minimum of what should be expected from a leader, right? I'm like, telling you it's not that easy. I, I know it's not. But it's I, not that easy. But, but should it be? I think so. I think you should be if you take on a leadership role. It's one of the things I'll say about we. – it's funny. I'll make a parallel. Everybody that's screaming about John Harbaugh needs to step in. I'm – in, intend to agree with you that he should have stepped in and said to Todd Munkin, hey, what the hell's going on? But I would tell you also, you don't really want anyone micromanaging anyone else who does their job. You wanted it in that circumstance because it was the AFC Championship game, the season was on the line, and it was insane what was going on. But what you don't really want is for the head coach to be hoarding over the coordinators and saying you listen to me when I tell you to do something. Well, and the coordinators would in the in the end, right? They wouldn't the coordinators want, they wouldn't want wouldn't to work here. Accept it. Exactly right. Correct. So, like, you don't really want that. A leader, you want to be someone who says, "I know what my strengths are. I know I hire the right people, and those people run their whatever it is that they do. Whether it's running the baseball team, whether it's running the broadcast department. That's not my area." That's their area. I hire the right people. It should be the bare minimum expectation of a leader. I don't even care if you want to accept that John Angelos hired Mike Elias. I don't care if you say, I'll never give John Angelos credit because you care so much about the things that he did wrong. It's fine. Or that you just dug your feet in the sand and said, "Never, I'm never praising an Angelos. But you have to acknowledge where the baseball team is. You have to acknowledge that there's a reason. I had somebody call me last night and said, uh, you're giving Mike Elias all this credit. Anybody could draft uh, uh, players in the top five. They, you know, they, they're not going to be able to do the same thing drafting players in the 20s and 30s, to which I said, right, like where they got Gunnar Henderson. And the guy said, well, yeah, but that's not the point. Well, no, it is the point. The point is sure. Mike Elias has proven capable of finding guys that aren't number one overall picks. Sure. You could say anybody could have found Adley Rutschman or anybody could have found um, you know, Jackson Holiday. But to be fair, at the time, who was the, the cat that everybody – who was the other guy when they drafted um, Wit. Adley Rutschman? Witt. Yeah, Bobby Witt. Right. Now, Bobby Witt's turned out to be a hell of a player too. Sure. So maybe it was 50-50 and you couldn't lose. But we weren't all certain that Adley Rutschman was the answer. And beyond that, Gunnar Henderson – everybody else had a shot at Gunnar Henderson – Right. Every team in baseball could have drafted Gunnar Henderson and didn't. So to try to dismiss Mike Elias or to pretend like other pieces of this was Felix Batista someone that they, you know, drafted number one overall? You could even look at last year and just say in, in their roles, again, in their roles. Right. I know they're all gone now, so right. it doesn't matter. But in their roles, he, he took a chance on Aaron Hicks. Aaron Hicks was a, was a contributor. Well, Ryan O'Hearn's not Ryan, gone. Ryan O'Hearn, Aaron Hicks, Frazier. Right. These guys all had roles in the team. He he made he picked those guys. You have to acknowledge that the baseball team has been on solid footing. And the reason totally why agree. you're hoping that they'll invest the money is because the baseball team is on solid footing. 
you can't pretend like that's not the case because well, you don't like John Angelos. And 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 let's put a bow on it by saying this. If, if I don't even remember the chronology of this, and when I say this, I could be off by a year. If in two thousand and nineteen or two thousand and twenty, uh, two thousand twenty doesn't count because um, it was COVID, um, and they were actually kind of okay that year. Um, if if they were seventy one and and ninety one or seventy one and eighty one ninety one seventy one and ninety one last year, and and sixty eight and one oh four or whatever the math is, sixty eight and whatever the year before. I'm not sure they get 1.75 billion for it. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's interesting. I I I, I think part of the attraction is you hope that they do right. have some window here. Mm-hmm. If they were a moribund franchise, I mean, I could be wrong on this. I don't think the pirates are. Nobody up there is getting the pirates for two billion. I don't know if that's true. I, I do think that at some point this is I about don't know. this is about what teams are worth. Like it's just it's yeah, so now, easy I'm, to profit. I'm trying to streamline this. Maybe they only get one point four right. billion. You're saying it's a it, it's negligible, but it's slightly more because I, something. What's like the that. lease worth? What's the lease worth? Right. What's what's it worth to this group to come in and not have to fight over the lease? Well, they got six hundred million dollars worth of our money. That that's worth something, it's right? Certainly not worth nothing. John John did that. Now some people are going to say John also had a reason to do that. Right, because John knew he was going to sell the team. Right, and so that's why he fought. No, but they got but, it. But yeah, they got it. That's the reality. Right. Uh, real quick, today's I show. Think I think it, look, end of the story. I think it's a good move. I'm, I'm willing. I'm certainly willing to give it its time to marinate yes. and see what happens. But I think all in all, all's well that ends well. Uh, Free t- the birds. T- today's show brought to you by your local Toyota. <laughs> I'm breaking out my old shirt. Let, hang on. Let me. Today's show brought to you by your local Toyota I dealer. Worn it buy a Toyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines. So you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect Damn. your unique personality and driving habits. Should have worn the shirt. To, to follow up, it's what I keep saying. I think a lot of people, because I'm not, you know, just hooting and hollering, think that I, I had somebody say last night, "Well, you're playing bad cop." No, not I at think all. I think this is a good thing. I just need to see it. And to the point, the people that are immediately, and I think this is important. The people that are immediately saying, well, now they're going to get an extension done with Adley Rutschman or Gunnar Henderson or Jackson Holiday. If that's the way you're measuring this, I think you're going to set yourself up for disappointment. I would agree with that. Too. From a sheer time, if this was two years ago, we might be having a different conversation. The difficulty, specifically with Gunnar Henderson and Jackson Holiday, is they're Scott Boris clients, and Scott Boris does not like doing these deals. You would have to vastly overpay. Here's sixty million a year, like an absurd overpayment. Oh, sure, you have to ignore, like basically, you'd have to rip up the idea of pre-arbitration. You'd have to say any advantage to us is gone. We're going to start paying you like a wildly accomplished Major League Baseball player today. The kid today. that torched just got $28 million. He's never fielded a ground ball in his life. That's the way it works. That's, that's how but, I mean, this that's goes. A, that's a, for anybody who saw that article this week and, and laughed and thought that was funny, it, it, it was a, it's a benchmark moment for these agents. Benchmark moment. I, you gave a kid $28 million who's never played one second but that's in that's, the big leagues. That's the stretch that we've been on. But that's what I'm saying. So now, when when Scott Boris says to the Orioles, "You can have Gunner," 
It's four hundred million for the next ten years. He, when the Orioles go, yeah, you're insane. He goes, the Tigers just gave this guy twenty eight million dollars. He's never, he's never swung a bat in the major leagues. This is what you pay. This is an MVP player, and you give us four hundred million, I, or, or we'll, we'll play it out. The argument would be that that kid might, much like some of these Braves players, might regret that deal. Maybe. Because he might ultimately make that money anyway in arbitration. Maybe. And Scott Boris won't do a deal that he thinks his client might ultimately end up regretting. But here's here here's where here's where the game changes. Right. The next kid's gonna get thirty two million. Well, hundred percent. The, the next kid's I, gonna get forty million. A hundred percent. Well, before you know it, some kid's gonna get a hundred million. We've already had examples of guys that got more than this though, correct? What would what did Corbin Carroll get? Did he get 80, 90, I think? Yeah. But he, like, without he had, playing? He had just started playing. I mean, right. he had played slightly. In September, I think, for like, yeah. what, like, yeah, like he had not. Yeah. No, the, this kid's never played once I, in the major I leagues. Under, but that's that's where this goes. So somebody would say, well, why wouldn't. If 111. David, 111 for Corbin Carroll. And how much, find out how many games he had played at that point. 15. Um, so if David Rubenstein is of the opinion of, yeah, let's, I want I want this core guy. Everybody pulled up that he liked the tweet about Gunnar Henderson the other day, right? Like, if he's in love and wants to do it, that's one thing. He might want to do it and still find out it ain't happening. This is the nature of Scott Boer's clients, and Adley Rutschman only has one pre-arbitration year left. So there's only one year until he starts making real money in arbitration. And it's easy to say, well, you'd rather have guarantees long-term, but between making real money in arbitration, insurance policies that are now available to these baseball players, it might very well be that Adley Rutschman's camp says, dude, you uh, had your chance. Yeah, we'll wait it out. We would have done this two years ago. We're good. But you didn't do it two years ago. Right. And now we're only one year away from making real money anyway. And we're going to the Mariners. That's the way it's going to go. Everyone already knows it anyway. I hope that David Rubenstein comes in and says, I don't care what it costs. I'll pay silly money. But to keep these guys his around. private equity background would suggest that's not the way he does things. It's not likely the way right. that he does things. Right. Or I hope that Scott Boris... But maybe as a billionaire, he goes, I don't care what the hell. I, I, I hope that I'm wrong. Although he's probably not a billionaire anymore if he just gave 1.7. Well, I, I, I think he's got it. Is he still okay? I think he's still okay. How funny would it be if he had to call case. somebody and borrow money? Right. Hey, Glenn, it's oh, Dave. Hey, he had to get partners. Hey, Glenn, it's Dave. It's not all Listen, his money. Can you, any chance you can loan me uh, $50 million? <laughs> Dave, got, really? Got a project I'm working really? on. Really? Loan you fifty million? I again, let it play out. There will be plenty of time. We'll let it play out. All right, let's speed up. The he played thirty team. games. It was a hundred at bats, but okay. Let's speed up Harbaugh now. All right, we can do that because then Marty Conway is going to join us to talk about this in twelve minutes. What do you want to say about what? What? What do you want to say? I mean, you know, I don't even. I mean, I'm probably like you. I, I, I don't even know what to say. Like, it was such a great day. It was by far the best sports environment I've ever been in in my life. And I've been in some. I've never seen anything like that day. And part of it was I was with my son, and I went to the 83 World Series with my dad, and I had not seen this game ever, as I kept saying to Ethan. So the fact that I got to hang out with him and and do it with him, and you know, I had those two tents and had all my friends there, and like it, 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 the weather obviously wasn't Chamber of Commerce, but other than that, it was a Chamber of Commerce day. Um, it was an amazing experience. It just the game flatlined. Mrs. Clark had some notes, by the way, about the entire. <laughs> she had some. Notes. The, ga- the game, the game just flatlined. Yeah, like everything about it was fine. And 
The experience was awesome, and the stadium was insane. Insane. Mm -hmm. People never stopped from the minute the ball was kicked off. Um, Thought the game presentation was awesome. Think they did, you know, I, 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 I... as it was happening, I thought the in-game stuff was a little bit overkill. Uh, personally, I think I think that's stuff that should be reserved for before the game. And if you want to do some of that stuff at halftime, okay. I thought doing it in the game was a was kind of awkward looking. I do know of a couple of players who were kind of off put by it, but that's all kind of eyewash. Um, it was a great day. It's just such a shame they flatlined like they did. And you know, you got to give Kansas City credit. I said that last week, like. This is this is going to be a tough task for them to beat those guys. Like that kid is a hell of a quarterback, and um, obviously within the game, the the it's, I don't even want to call it a fumble, even though I know that's what it was. Like that play that kid made for Kansas City was a season changing play for them, knocking the ball out of Flowers' hands. And I and I do think, and it's easy to say this, I do think if we score there, we're winning. Like we're going back down the field because we were rolling by that point. That play was huge. I, I think that as much as people don't want to talk about this, I think the last offensive series where we got those penalties, I think that was a huge part of that last series. We let them move out of a tight spot and move their way. We gave them freedom to go from the 25 to the 50, yeah. and they were much more free there than they would have been on their own 25-yard line. Well, the first one is insane. Like, that. To the point of the the twelve man thing, unacceptable. Like that's, it's just unreal that that. Are, happened. are you out of your mind? The second one, you had you had to, you had to. You didn't have a choice. You had to take that penalty. I I, I get it. You you couldn't put yourself in a. I got three plays. If they get five yards, the game's over. Like you can't you can't do that to yourself. You had to take the second penalty. And as people have pointed out, if it was just offsides, the Chiefs could yeah, have. But declined they would have just it. declined it. Yeah, right, sure. So yet you, you had to, you had no choice. But the first one. In, insane, and it gets lost in the shuffle because of all the other things that occurred. Horrendous. But it's bonkers. And I and and I know everybody's been bitching about the refs. I, I I keep saying this over and over. It the I did not see anything distinctly different from that game that I see in any other game. I thought they made a bunch of really good calls. The Travis Jones thing was a penalty. The Clowney thing was a penalty. They were penalties. The the uh, the, the two pass inter the two the, pass interferences were that weren't right. And and that's what I was going to say. Yeah. I think. This is the way I look at every NFL game that I watch, and I watch a lot of them like everybody else does. Right. I break these I break the games the refereeing down into two categories. The calls they make and the calls they don't. Right. The calls they made in the game, I thought every one of those calls was reasonable. I, I did. And I'm not I wouldn't have personally I, I, there's so much taunting that goes on in the game. There's so much taunting that goes on. Then I don't know how you decide which one to call and which one to not call. That said, I will say this. That was taunting. Now, here's what we don't know. And this is right, was to there, go back to when yeah. you and I were talking about earlier about when you were on the radio, people think you know more. I, I, I don't know that I know more. But here's what I do know that maybe other people don't either want to think about or want to say. We don't know that at, at in the third quarter, the official might have gone up to both teams and said, yeah. I've had enough mm-hmm. of the taunting. The next one of you that does it, you're getting a penalty. And Flowers did it, and he said, I told you I was going to do this. I'm done with you guys. I don't know that. Now, I take the other calls that weren't made. 
Justice Hill totally tripped Chris Jones in the end zone. Should have been a safety. They didn't call it. Okay, no big deal. That kid definitely, I think that was defensive holding. Unlikely. Didn't call it. Not the interception, but the other play. Mm-hmm. And and so I say all of that to package this up and say, I didn't see the game any more distinctly different than any other game I watch. They made a lot of good calls. They made a couple that were head scratchers, and they missed some. They they do it every game. Every single game. It's kind of miraculous they got both the spots right on the Kelsey play and the fourth and the down. Pacheco, like, right. It's really miraculous right. that they nailed it in a in a world of we're just guessing. They got both I, of those spots I, I, right. I, here's what I'm going to say about the officiating in general. I don't think the officiating is nearly as bad as everyone thinks it is. I do believe that the application of the rules in the league needs to be fixed. Mm. And you and I have talked about this. The fact that you – and you you might even say, and it would have worked against us, somebody should have been able to radio down the other day and say, hey, i got to tell you, you missed a trip in the end zone there. Get the ball back. It's a safety. I'll give hockey credit. I'll give hockey full credit. You can you can you can you can go off sides. You can play for forty seconds and score a goal. Right, and then they go and the ref will say, say yep. "We're going to go back and look at that." Yep. Those forty seconds, they don't exist. Yep. You were off sides. Yep. We're going back. I I I think that's very I think that's very reasonable, and I think the NFL would be well served. And you and I have talked about this forever. I think the league would be well served to have that. Hey, you missed a trip in the end zone there. Get the ball, punt the ball, two points, let's keep going. And so the application needs to be improved. I think the refs, I don't, I don't think they're terrible. I, I think the application of the rules is in dire need of improvement. But when you watch, and you just brought up the spots of the, the two spots the other day, when you watch the game at the speed these guys are playing in and you see the calls they get right, Way more yeah, times than not. It's remarkable. It's pretty remarkable. It's remarkable. I agree with that. I don't think the officiating I, was – I think we did some dumb things. Yeah. I, I can't get over – That's for sure. I'll, I'll never get over the panic. I'll never Well, the running get over thing the, is bizarre. And it, and it was everyone. It's bizarre. It was, it was, there was a panic that set in on this team that I would have never expected. That they got behind and they – everyone. There was a panic from almost everyone that came with it. From Lamar, well, from I was Munkin, say, from I, I guess I would ask this. Zay, from everybody. Right. And and I would say – and I, I don't even want to do this. Like, I don't want to assign degrees of blame. I would say and, – and I wrote about this yesterday. The – the number one, there is no question about this. And one thing, if you said to me, I've been doing this for 43 years, I've been in sports. Nothing in sports beats experience. Sure. It's, it's just like when you said to me, hey, Margo and I are going to have a baby. And I said, dude, you, you have no idea what you're in for. Like, it's the greatest thing in the world, but there's also a lot of challenges. Yep. And you got in your car and said, Drew, I don't know what he's talking about. I, I knew because I experienced it. I didn't know it until I experienced mm-hmm. it. Until you've, until you've been a father or a mother, you have no way of knowing what it's about. Yep. None. Zero. Experience. And in sports, experience always is always the cake topper. And so what I'm wondering is if the next time they get in this situation, yep. if Lamar isn't going to say, we're not doing this. We're, we're not doing it this way. Why are you not running the football more? Yep. And I, I spent a lot of time yesterday writing about Lamar because I think Lamar is the central figure because he is the quarterback and he is 
air quotes, the best or one of the best players in the league by far. I, I thought he was really off on Sunday. And I think he was off because I think he was trying to do it differently than than differently than his skill set allows for. And I I do wonder if the quarterbacky comment got to him in a way that it shouldn't yeah, get to I, him. I don't even know if it allows is the right word, but is, I, is I, I what's best. Like that's this fine. Is, that's fine. But yeah. I think the as much as as much as and and when I say this, it's going to sound like I'm attacking it from a different angle. I, I think the quarterbacky comment got to him, and I would have said to him, Lamar, don't worry about that comment. I like that you're not quarterbacky. Mm-hmm. If I were Harbaugh, I would have said to him, Lamar, that's what makes you the best player in the league. You you aren't quarterbacky, and because you aren't, yep. The other team doesn't know what the hell yep. you're doing. They can't. They can't defend it. It's impossible. So I've been through I, this. I, I think. I think. And I'm not. When I say, I think Lamar has his hands in a lot of what happened Sunday. I, I am not blaming him. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is, I don't think he had the experience to navigate it the way he will next time. I'm telling you, I I, I think so highly of that kid. I I, I really think he is a winner. I, I just think he's. I, I think he's. I, and I don't want to say I think he needs to be coached better because I don't know that that's even fair because I'm not there. But as I, I just I hope he doesn't lose his confidence, and I hope he realizes when you do what you when you do what you do best, no one's going to stop you. And I go, it's funny I said this to somebody the other day watching the game. You and I are sitting in the press box and at the end of the Super Bowl when the Ravens beat San Francisco, and. And I said, I can't believe they didn't just say to Kaepernick, you got to get five yards. You figure it out. I'm not giving you any plays. Right, right. We're not calling a 37 yeah. jet sweep. We're not calling a throw to the corner. Here's the deal. This is why you're the best at that time. This is why you're the best athletic, nimble quarterback in the league. You got four plays, kid. You figure out how to get in the end zone. And it, it does become a little bit of playground football at that point. And I, and I wonder if you said that to Lamar. Lamar, you just call the plays. You you just figure it yeah. out. And I don't mean yeah. it I don't mean it like that it. like to that degree, but I think there's it it does become paralysis by analysis at some point. With him. And I and I'm not suggesting he's not smart. Don't misread that. I, he's at his best when he can freewheel it. Period. And I don't I don't feel like he was freewheeling it Sunday. I feel like he was trying to he was trying to prove he's as good as Patrick Mahomes, and and he is. It's just, but it, in a different way, in right. a different way, in a different way. All right, we got to grab a break. Marty that Conway. kid's a hell of a quarterback, by the way, Mahomes. There's no doubt it, about it, that. It's unbelievable. There's no debating that. It's unbelievable. Marty Conway is going to join us next. We'll still do a little more Ravens later on in Let the me program. Tell you what's wrong with this country? We'll try to get that in, but we got a lot going on. We got settled. Well, that's what's wrong with this country. We got a lot. You don't. Jesus. Drew's here. Blaine Clark Radio. Hey, it's Jeremy Kahn. This postseason, bet in person at the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbooks with locations in Canton and in Towson and enjoy the best in-class sports wagering experience at their state-of-the-art facilities, bringing an unmatched sports betting thrill. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. 
For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. There's so much focus on sports betting these days, but I want to talk about an area that nobody wants to gamble on. Where you choose to go out and spend your hard-earned dollars to eat. The Casas Inn is no gamble at all. The quality on their menu is outstanding, and the value is off the charts with a great and varied list of special Monday through Friday. And the staples of the menu, whether it's salads, burgers, fish, they're all fantastic. And I haven't even mentioned the crabs or crab cakes yet. So check out the menu for yourself at CostasIn.com. When choosing a place to dine, never gamble on the food you put in your belly. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard or call 410-477-1975 for reservations and your steam crab orders. Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken, a family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. What company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses, allergens, and bacteria? A.J. Michaels, Heating and Air Conditioning in Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. Hungry? With seven locations throughout Maryland, Glory Days Grill is always right around the corner. They have wings, burgers, salads, sandwiches, and drinks to satisfy everyone, as well as tons of televisions and sound delivered right to your phone. Glory Days is the best place to watch football or whatever your favorite sport is. While you're there, be sure to check out Goose Flights Lager, named in honor of legendary Raven Tony Goose Siragusa. $2 of every can is donated to the Goose Flights Foundation. Glory Days Grill. Great food, good sports. Drew Forrester is with us here on a Wednesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Don't forget the Goose Flights is available not only at Glory Days Grill in Cannes, but other locations where it's available in Cannes, like Alonzo's on Cold Spring Lane. Or you can get over to the Green Turtle Sportsbook in Canton, where it's available in Cannes. It's available in Cannes and Six Packs at Guilford Hall Brewery in Station North, as well as at Costas Inn. And six-packs and cases are available at the Wine Source in Hamden. Goose Flights, one, it's delicious. It's a very crisp brew. But on top of that, more importantly, we're um, celebrating the legacy of Tony Saragusa, and we partnered with his family. And the Goose Flights Foundation, and 198 from every can sold, is going to the Goose Flights Foundation and what they're doing to provide non-emergency medical transport to those in need, get your Goose Flights today. Find out more about where it's available right now. Pressboxonline.com slash Goose Flights. Our next guest has lots of experience working in professional sports front offices. He is the professor, sports business guru with us to talk about the uh, pending sale of the Baltimore Orioles is our friend Marty Conway. Marty, it's Glenn and Drew Forrester's here this morning. Appreciate taking a couple of minutes for us. Thanks so much for doing this. Uh, you're welcome. Good to be with you all. Marty, if you could, um, we, we still don't know lots about how this is going to go. There is still less that we know than what we do know to this point. 
but your initial reaction to the news that we are moving towards a sale sometime quickly? Uh, expected, anticipated would be my reaction. Um, because within the investment community, New York, Washington, you know, et cetera, the Excella tour there, uh, this has been something that people have known that there was pieces or all of it for sale based on the right price, based on the right owner structure, who, whoever it is to do. Um, and so, you know, as they say, two things can be true at the same time. You can say the team is not for sale and then you can also have it available uh, quietly throughout that community to do. So um, if this is what the final disposition will be, um, then I, I would think it would be something that in the investment community they had anticipated. The question was when, you know, what's driving the now versus six months ago versus six months from now. But it is what's expected. Look, family ownership in sports, with the exception of the NFL, where the revenues are so strong that you can handle a single family, family ownership in sports is something that's expiring. Um, the costs are escalating. Um, a lot of issues related to media are circulating. And so it takes a different approach and it takes almost a private equity type approach where they see different business models uh, to do. So if that's what this turns out to be, then the new model is coming to Baltimore and probably will soon come to Washington uh, down the road as the nationals are probably next up on the list to, to have a trans transaction like this. Marty, what does this look like? Uh, private equity, you know, ownership. I, I, I think that's the part that we're trying to like, I, I, I think that uh, Orioles fans are hoping that David Rubenstein being a Baltimore native loves the Orioles and wants to care about the Orioles and, you know, badly wants them to be a winner where I, I think one of the things that Drew and I have talked about this morning is, or does he see the Orioles as an opportunity to find profit and, that's just what this guy does is find profit with everything that he does. Well, if you look at his own, he has two, there's two David Rubensteins and don't forget he has another partner in here as well, but that is, you know, founded Carlisle group, uber successful, but also his philanthropic commitments in Washington in particular are enormous. I don't think they're, they've been surpassed by anybody, whether it's the declaration of independence, the Washington monument, I mean, you name it. He's been very philanthropic in that way, as the Carlisle Group was when he and his partners were doing it. They were very philanthropic in that way. So, um, look, these are community assets. These are public trusts. You, you don't so much as own them as such as that you are a steward of them for a period of time. And the Angelos family was a steward for longer than any other family who has owned the team since it's come in Baltimore. And so it passes from hand to hand. But as I said earlier, there's just a different mindset of people who have looked at hundreds and thousands of different business models and businesses to invest in. And so I think they understand the dynamics that are out there today to owning a sports franchise, and they're probably better equipped to be able to adjust, bring new dollars in, bring new ideas, bring fresh perspectives uh, that just wasn't possible you know, up until now. All right, so 1.75, uh, 1.725 billion. Uh, too cheap, the right price, or uh, they pay too much? Well, yeah, Drew, I, you know, we don't know yet because we apparently the Masson um, entity is in there, and if it is, then you've got to back out, I don't know, $200 million. Uh, the Cleveland Indians sold their RSN 10 years ago for $235 million. Uh, so 
I don't know what Masson is worth today. It's worth a lot less than it was in 2017. They, 2018, they had five and a half million subscribers. As of last June, they reported three and a half million. It's probably well under three million now. So it's a declining asset. So it really comes down to that. What's the Masson asset worth? And then literally, what are the cash flows from the team? Generally, these teams are sold, sports teams are sold seven, eight, maybe nine times revenue or operating income, whatever you want to work on. And so that's the question. Uh, Forbes has reported that the team had $266 million in revenue. The Washington Nationals had $100 million more than that. So um, it may be the right number just based on what's the mix of assets that they're actually buying and then what are the cash flows from each of those entities and in which direction are they going? We know that Masson's cash flows are declining rapidly, but you know what's going on in the front office of the team, we don't know yet. But we know they're going to need more revenue because they've got a big slate of players who are going to come due in the near future, and they need to plan for that. And, and so this is kind of a dumb question. Glenn and I didn't even really talk about this. Why, why did they? It could be just as easy as they got $1.75 billion. Why did he sell it in your mind? Why now? Uh, I thought, I've always thought, probably actually for the last five years since the Masson thing really began to get hot, is that there was going to be need to be new money to come in to take care of these obligations. Five or eight years ago, I would have said it would have been a new operator for the regional sports network, whether it was Fox or whomever. That ship has sailed. There's nobody out there to do that anymore. But these obligations are coming due. They owe MLB, the Nationals, whatever you want to say it, in excess of $100 million. Right. When is that going to be paid? When? Who pays it? Over what time? I don't think the current operating structure of the team was in a position to do that. Look, you, you have 30% of the team held by some limited partners. And limited partners, two things happen. Either you get dividends from profit or you, you get cash calls because the team or the, or the operation needs more money. My sense is that the 30% um, of the limited partners, they're ready to leave. They, they were in with Peter. Peter's not really there anymore. They're ready to move on. So the question that you have is, of Rubenstein and his partner buying, you know, reportedly 40%, what are they buying? Are they buying out the limited partners of 30% plus another 10% from the Angelos family? Or are they buying 40% of what the Angelos family owns? I think it's probably the former, not the latter. And so there's a lot of forces to your question, Drew, as to why it happens. But generally, people are not selling, not selling, not selling until they need to sell. Right. And maybe this is a time frame where this cash is important to either the limited partners or to the franchise for the next, you know, 18 months or whatever it is. Yeah, I didn't think of that. But, I mean, the the, yep. the partners thing, it's a little bit like being a member at a country club. Sometimes you get assessed at the end of the year and they say, yeah, everybody chip yeah. in three grand. And you're like, I, I don't have three right. grand to give you. Yeah, so. If they yeah. call it, they call yeah. that chip in, and you don't have three million because they lost ninety million. But you know, where are you? Yeah, so I, I don't know that the franchise was losing money. That doesn't seem to be the case, right? But in order to go forward, it's very clear. Look, the same thing has been happening down the road in Washington, where Ted Leonsis has been selling pieces of his franchise. Right, a lot of that had to do with satisfying his limited partners who'd been with him for ten or fifteen years. And they were ready to move on. This was an investment that they made. Investment expects return. And so that's really what this is, whether it's for the Angelos family or for the limited partners. And 10, 10x from $172 million to $1.7 billion, a 10x increase over that time frame, 
pretty nice. But the question is, how much did you have to put in along the way? And did you get dividends and all those different things? So I think the Masson deal and the settlement of that, I think the lease and the settlement of that are all coming together at a time that I don't think it's a coincidence that these things are occurring, uh, you know, in the threes that they have. Marty Conway is with us here on GCR as we're discussing the imminent sale of the Baltimore Orioles. Marty, I I feel like, and, and Drew and I did cover this in the first hour, one thing that I I am only somewhat weary of is you would like to hope that a new ownership would look at the baseball side of what the Baltimore Orioles are doing and saying, hey, this is working. This is a good thing. It's part of the reason why we want this team. But as Drew and I pointed out, um, super wealthy people kind of have a tendency of when they take control of something, wanting to have control of it and not being as concerned about how things were done before, and saying, we want to do things our way. I I would hope that David Rubenstein's group would say, baseball works right now in Baltimore. We just want to, you know, add to it. But should we be at all weary of the idea that perhaps David Rubenstein isn't as in love with or care as much about Mike Elias and the good things that the Orioles have been doing baseball-wise and might be inclined at some point to say, and I want my people running the show. Uh, well, look, I, I, I don't know David Rubenstein. I obviously never met him, know people that know him. He strikes me, quite honestly, as another version of Edward Bennett Williams. And Ed Williams was a sportsman at heart. Ed wanted to win. That was his number one thing, whether it was with the Orioles or his time with the Redskins to do it. That's what I, I don't know his other partners, and you know, Aris Capital Management. They've been involved in a lot of different deals sports deals and all sorts of different things. So like I said, they see different transactions, but my sense is the core of what is coming in. Look at this as a sportsmanship sporting opportunity, which is want to win, but will operate, I think within a framework of profit and loss. Right. And if you need to go over the line to get an additional player or circumstance, whatever it is, which is what I think Peter did effectively at times reached into his own assets in order to fund things because that payroll got up almost to $200 million at one time. But that's what it was. But look, I think the reality is they're still playing in the American League East. They still face the Yankees and Red Sox and now the Blue Jays, and and it's a very competitive environment. So they have to make a decision as to how they're going to compete, whether it's through analytics and scouting, free agency, whatever it is. But I, I don't get the sense that this is not like Stephen Cohen buying the Mets and, and what came with that. Um, these are very different people from what I can tell on their backgrounds just briefly. And so I, I don't think that's a big concern. At the end of the day, the physical plant around the stadium is going to have to improve. They're going to have to get more dollars on a daily basis, not just from game day, but from other opportunities in and around the stadium in order to be competitive with their payroll. I think that's just a fact uh, of baseball today. Well, I, I guess the the last thing would be, and I don't want this to sound like, a eulogy because it, it it isn't, but it is the end. It is the epilogue, if you will. Marty, what will that be for the thirty-one years that they were the the owners? Uh, obviously, as you mentioned, there there were some other partners along the way, but we all recognize this as the the Angelos ownership tenure. What what will the epilogue be on that? I think the reflection will be positive, and that's because again we forget this, but. 
this team could have been in very different hands. There was vol- a lot of volatility back at that period. And putting it in safe, stable, community-interested hands. And then again, there was a long honeymoon. The team sold out day after day, three-plus million fans in there to do it. Were there some decisions, manager, player, et cetera, that weren't sound? The answer is yes. But I think overall, when you look at, like I said, they held the team longer than anybody else in franchise history. I think it's generally going to be projected as positive. The team is still here. It's competitive in a very difficult division. And there have been many more right decisions made as opposed to things that were questionable. It's easy to question ownership and leadership when you have a few of these things. But I think when you look at the long scope of it, you'll understand that there were some positives and negatives, but I think the general sense is that the family did it right by Baltimore as they have and still continue to own the team until it passes to someone else. I, I, I know there'll be a lot of people in Baltimore that would push back, Marty, but I understand what it is that you're saying. I, just to follow up and piggyback that before we let you go, the nature, can you explain to people, the nature of this group buying 40% now and the rest of the team after Peter passes, I understand, is probably related to estates. And, you know, yes. I, I can understand why that works. But functionally, what will that look like until Peter Angelos passes? Well, they can decide what they want. Like, I worked for the Texas Rangers when George W. Bush was the managing general partner of the team. He owned 2%. But all the rest of the partners said, George, you're in charge and you own 2%. So, that can be a management decision made at the time of the transaction, at the agreement, whatever it is to do. So we'll see. Somebody can actually have 40% and have control. They can have 2% and have control. So um, remains to be seen on that. We'll see. Um, but uh, there, there is a lot of experience here with folks that are coming in, like I said, David and his, and his, and his partner here, of what we reported. And so they've got background and experience in sports and running a lot of different businesses. Um, and so I would not be surprised to see them come in and take a management responsibility, even if they don't own the majority shares of the team. Marty Conway, uh, truly appreciate the insight. Of course, folks can follow you on Twitter at Marty Conway. Um, I, I have no doubt that we're going to be uh, needing some more insight from you as we continue to see how this unfolds in the coming weeks and months. Really appreciate you hopping on and spending a couple of minutes with us this morning. Okay, guys. Have a good show. Thank you. Thanks, Marty. Marty Conway with us here on uh, GCR. I, I, it's it's interesting, right? Like, is I just don't know enough to know. Like, he is the point person. He is the control person. But the Angelos family will still own more than half of the team. Like, it's just yeah. But as long as they're not fundamentally involved in the right. operational aspects of it, I, I don't think that matters. I don't think it does. I've just never, you know, I've never seen. How that plays I, out. It, I think the untold story here that would really be interesting if you knew the truth, and, and again, it's just fodder. I don't know that it matters. This Masson thing might have done them in. The The interesting thing of listening to him talk about the $100 million is... Never never paying that, the Nationals, just pushing it off and yep. pushing it off. When that all came, and, when that card got thrown yeah. to the table and said, you owe us $100 million, John might have said, we only have one option left, that's to sell the team so I can get this money to pay it off i don't I, know i saw i don't I know I but that's pretty was. interesting i saw someone say that last night that this is simply a cash on hand problem right like that this came down to the birds came home to roost so to right? speak like he needed cash right he needed it 
and this was the way to go about doing it. Right. Um, Should have just given the Nationals their $34 million when they wanted it. <laughs> but anyway, maybe they didn't have it to give them that. I mean, that might be the reality, oh, right? right? right, might, right. Might, then they pushed it off as long as he possibly could. And I would love to hear from him if, if he would be willing to share it, which obviously he wouldn't. What what the total sum of this was? What that what did it cost you to lose a hundred million? It cost you did it cost you fifty million in right. lawyer fee? Did you right. really lose one fifty? Right. How I'd much? Love to know. How much was it worth to fight? How much was it worth to fight and lose? Well, or would he say? Well, ultimately, I'm not really the one that's paying it. So, well, ultimately, I got one point seven two five billion. Right. And by being able to profit off the team for a couple of more years right. before the right. bill right. came due. I, it it was a net win for me right. in the end, but yes, we'll never actually get the not publicly. We'll right. never address that in any way. What's going on at the Green Turtle these days, uh, Griffin? What's happening over there besides the fact that at the Green Turtle Canton, you can now find Goose Lights Lager. Um, you can also find Jeremy Kahn tomorrow. He'll be uh, doing a sports betting one on one class. He'll help you, uh, you know, give give you some bets and uh, how to know? bet the <laughs> how Stop to bet it. the big game. Um, uh, because they have live in-person betting right now at the Green Turtle in Towson and Canton. Uh, they at the Bet Park Sportsbooks, and they're giving you a free $10 bet every Thursday in Towson and Canton. And uh, you can use, use that on whatever you'd like to and experience the ultimate destination for game day excitement, great food, and live in-person betting. Again, check out the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbooks in Towson and Canton. Go pick up your free bet, make some money while enjoying some food and sports uh, tomorrow, Thursday, at the Green Turtle. Why don't we go down there sometime and goof around and cut up and win a gazillion dollars and quit? A gazillion? And, and then <laughs> yeah. quit. I mean, I'll go hang out with you at the Green Turtle. I'm down to do that. We've got to go bet. Yeah, but I, bet. I, I've learned my lesson. Oh, no doubt. <laughs> so have I. For today, anyway. So to Get I. back to me tomorrow. Oh, yeah? Well, How's your week go? Did no. you see the end of the DePaul game last night? No, I know oh, they lost, God. though, right? Dude, it's so Seton much, Hall beat them. Yeah, of course Seton Hall beat them. It's so much better than that, right? Like I, so it, it, former Maryland assistant Matt Brady had to take over as interim coach out at the Paul because okay. it's that disastrous. I mean, they're they're awful. They've won three no, games all terrible. year. They're last and, year's Georgetown. Like they're horrendous. They're, and they've only beaten like, the lowest end. Like they're three wins over like right. South Dakota, right, right, right. Uh, Chicago right. State, and IUP Louisville, Cincinnati, who's right. who's atrocious, right? right? So. They play Seton Hall last night. They lose 72-39. to 39. Hey, Okay. Hey, Dan, the end of the game. Oh, my God. Hang on. It's so amazing. How could there be a gambling connection to this? I, I don't know that it's gambling. It's just so at the end of the game, they, they've scored 39, 39 points in a college basketball game. Oh, my God. Game. I got the video. They're at the, oh, can you show it? Yeah. Okay, I'll show it to Drew because he won't be able to see it over there. So this is how the game ends. Okay. Seton Hall's at the free throw line. Okay. Right? They 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 miss the free throw. Okay. It might Griffin's going to show it to everybody. You might not catch it at first. Okay. How absurd this is. You might get it on the rebound. <laughs> Do you realize what just happened? They threw the ball out of bounds. <laughs> he just threw the ball out of bounds. <laughs> like it was a made free throw. <laughs> He's so checked out. Threw the ball out of bounds. The kid. I don't know who the kid is. Whoever. Yeah, this, here you go. The kid from DePaul is so checked out on what's happening that the player from Seton Hall misses a free throw. And look at the ref. The ref's like, okay, it's this way. <laughs> the ref's like, hey, uh, this was an easy call. That's a live ball. Right. That's so <laughs> the funny. kid from DePaul oh is God. so uninterested in what's going on that he like falls asleep, thinks the guy just made the free throw. Oh, my God. 
and throws the ball out of bounds oh, to the ref Lord. to inbound the ball. I'll tell you where they wouldn't do that. Appalachian State. Yeah. Because they, uh, they Cause my favorite the player in the history of the Ravens went there. Joining us now here on GCR. My man. Hey, uh, Dan Wilcox, uh, Drew Forrester's here today, and yesterday was Drew's birthday, and all he can ever think about, he swears for the rest of his life, the greatest birthday present he ever got ever was the time that you drove down from Atlanta to South Florida to come hang out with us at the Super Bowl those years ago. He never stops talking about it. Thanks for hopping on with us this morning. Buddy. My man. No problem. Drew, Glenn, what's up, brothers? Everything good? Other than everything's great, man. You know, other than a football game. Well, I don't I go to the. I, I I think you know this, Dan. I don't go to the games anymore because they didn't retire '83. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't go. That's funny. I told Kevin Byrne That's if you if you if you guys give out '83 and you don't put my man in the Ring of Honor, Drew's not coming back. Yeah, yeah. I know that's right. He tried. He tried. It didn't quite work. That'll never happen, man. I got to go do some amazing stuff as a coach or something to get retired as a ring honor guy. Dan, um, of course, Dan Wilcox, former Ravens tight end, host of Believe in Ravens. We were talking earlier, Dan. The word I've used all week is panic. And you tell me if you think that's fair or unfair. It felt like when things weren't going the Ravens' way on Sunday that there was just almost a panic that set in. And not even – you know, not even with one guy. You know, the, the play calling seemed panic. Lamar at times felt panicked. Zay Flowers felt like a guy who desperately wanted the score to change right now, no matter what the cost of that is. I just, we just got to, we a, a, anything at all. Did you sense that Sunday was a team that wasn't experienced in the AFC Championship game, panicking in the moment? Nah, I didn't. I didn't feel that way. I mean, I was. I, I went to the game, so I stood up in the tweets and I was watching the game from up top. And you know, a bunch of the defensive guys was in there with me, and you know, they was all all the you know the guys that I played with. You know, the Davis Thomases, the Corey Ivies, the you know the Darius Webb was up there. You know, Ed Reed, and you know, it was it was more of a sense of you know them feeling like they was just a little bit too anxious. You know, to try to everybody wanted to make a, a big play. Everybody wanted to go play their best, and I felt like the guys played their butts off. I didn't feel like they got outplayed. I didn't feel like the other team played harder than them. I didn't feel like KC played harder than the Ravens. I just felt like I feel like they had a better game plan than we had. You know, and I think it took us a while to adjust to the game plan they had, but we did adjust. And once we adjusted, you know, we just got away from who we were. If anything, you know, I feel like the coaching staff kind of dropped the ball a little bit. And um and just understanding the magnitude of going to play against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs and, Kelsey and Travis Kelsey. I didn't feel like the game plan was good enough to shut Kelsey down on defense. And I didn't feel like the game plan was good enough on offense because we just got away from who we really were. You know, we didn't run the ball the way we normally do. You know, you can't lead the whole league in rushing and then don't run the ball. And, I, and if I had to say anything about the panic situation, you know, I don't know why, you know, down by seven, we feel like we got to throw the ball every down. You know, like the whole game, the game never got out of reach at all. So he was always within a, a score or a score and a half. And we just seemed to get away from who we were, you know, and we allowed the Chiefs to play their game, but we didn't play our game. And I just don't understand the thought process of going into that. And I've, I've said throughout this season, you know, a lot of times I felt like we got out coached, you know, and to me, this game is nothing shy of that. And, and, I think when you got such dynamic players, sometimes you can kind of take the foot off the gas a little bit. And I think the Ravens staff just realized like how great the players are that they have. You, know, you got an OBJ, you got a Zay Flowers, you got a Lamar Jackson, you know, Gus Edwards, Justice Hills played his butt off all year. 
Um, the offensive line has played amazing all year, but I mean, a couple of the sacks that we gave up on the offensive line was just like they wasn't even anything spectacular. They was just routine sacks, like routine plays, routine rushes, stuff that you should never give up. And we gave up sacks and stuff, you know, that we shouldn't have had. And I do feel like Lamar has fought hard to mature his game all year long. And we've spoken about his maturity and the level of maturity that he had to sit in the pocket when he normally would take off and run. And then you look at a game like this, you, you feel like he should have took off and ran more, you know. And, and I, I think through this process, there's, there's, this, there's such a, 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 a dynamic that's kind of hard to get away from. You know, Lamar get criticized more than anybody else in the league running the ball. You know, because he came in being such an athlete, he's like one of the only people that just get punished for being an athlete. And then you see, uh, you know, Brock Purdy play the game out there. And he ran every opportunity he got. He took off. You see Josh Allen play the week before. He ran every opportunity he get. He took off. You know, when Justin Fields rushed for 150 yards, everybody said, oh, my God, he's the best rush, running QB in the NFL. You know, but for some reason, Lamar just get criticized so harshly for, for being an athlete, for being a dynamic athlete. And he's a once in every 10-generation 10, 10 type athlete, man. And I just – I feel like you, you, you kind of cripple him by not allowing him to run and, and, and telling him to sit in the pocket more. And I do agree with some of the stuff that he's done throughout the year, like that first touchdown thrown to Zay Flowers. That's an example of him keeping his eyes downfield and not, and not being pressured and not getting antsy and not, you know, feeling like he had to panic. He, he, he resets his feet and throws the ball on the rope to Zay Flowers for a touchdown, and that's how dynamic he is. So um, I feel like the coaching staff just dropped the ball on understanding the importance of what Andy Reid was going to do and the Chiefs was going to do and understand they were still they were playing against the Brady of, of, of today's time and Patrick Mahomes. Dan, any thought at all about and I'm not by no means am I blaming Mark Andrews when I say this like but any thought at all that bringing Andrews back into the fold there and now less less snaps for likely any any way that that sort of disrupted things at all in your mind? No, nah, not at all at all. Not not even a little bit. Uh, at the end of the day, we should have been running the ball more. <clears throat> I mean, being down by a touchdown, if you run the ball more, you control the clock more, you keep Patrick Mahomes off the field more, you know, it, it benefits you more, you know, in every single way. You know, the sack call fumble by Lamar, you know, if that was a handoff, that wouldn't happen. You know, the interception later on in the game, right. um, to, he was throwing the ball to Isaiah Likely. He was giving Likely a chance. I felt like that was a blatant pass interference call. And it just didn't get called. I know. So I feel like the ref did drop the balls on certain things. And at the end of the day, the game should have never been that close because if we if we played our game, if we ran the ball more, put the ball in Gus Edwards' hands, who what I felt like Gus should have got the ball a lot early in the game, and then Justice Hill should have got the ball a lot in in the second half of the game. And I, that's how I felt. You know, Justice Hill has started a you know a bunch of games lately, so you can't take nothing away from Justice. But at the same time, this was a game that you had to try to set the tone physically early on. And I don't think we did that. You know, with them having Isaiah Pacheco, he's a tone setter. You know, he's going to run the ball hard and physical, hard and physical. And we got one of those guys, too. So I feel like Gus should have been the guy early on in this game. And then, you know, Justice should have came in later on. We had a bunch of misprotections and stuff where, you know, Lamar got pressured. And even the the, the one throw he threw to Zay Flowers for the touchdown, you know, that was Gus Edwards' pickup. He picked him up and missed the guy. The guy got gets off on Lamar. And then he goes back later. Gus was able to, you know, to stay with it, and goes back later and blocks him long enough so that Lamar could throw that ball downfield. You know, so I just felt like Gus should be in the game more, you know, than than Justin Hill in the game of this magnitude, and then bring Justin Hill in to kind of give you that one-two punch because his his quickness and speed 
will will, will be a, a really decent change of pace after you after you pound them with Gus over and over and over and over again. And Gus has some good plays and some good runs. So, you know, I just think we got away from who we are. We always been a running team, we're running offense. And in that particular game, you know, we threw the ball 82% of the time. That's that's not kind of unheard of. He is Dan Wilcox. He's with us here on GCR. Dan, you just brought something up uh, a couple seconds ago, and, and Drew and I talked about it earlier, that I, early in the year I looked around and I was like, man, it seems like there's a lot of yards that Lamar could be grabbing on the ground, and he just doesn't want to do it. And yeah. one of the things that we kept saying was, well, but he's letting plays unfold, and we saw at times it ended up being genius, right? Like the play against Jacksonville, to Isaiah Likely, and we saw it again against the Texans. But I I kept thinking it'll be different in the playoffs, right? Like in the playoffs, when everything's at stake, he's going to know he's got to run. And in the second half against Houston, obviously, we saw that play out. But I I do wonder how much of the outside stuff gets to him, right? Like I I said it for a long time. I – it's insane that we criticize Lamar Jackson for running. It's what makes him perhaps the most unique player in the history of the position. Everyone with a brain knows he can make the throws. He's not limited as a quarterback. He's better because he can do things that other people can't do. But do you think at all that some of that stuff gets to him and that like he's hell-bent on proving to people, I can just do it as a passer, I don't need to run, and... It, might that be to his detriment at times? I 100% agree, hands down. I mean, I don't think it just gets to him. I think it gets to the OC. I think it gets to the quarterback coach. I, I think it gets to everybody. It definitely gets to me. Like, I'm, I'm listening to it, and I'm like, man, maybe he do need to, you know, sit in the pocket a little bit more, too. And when you when you really think about that, Glenn Drew, like, you, you got to go back to the last two seasons when he got hurt, you know? And people don't – People look at those last two seasons of him getting injured because he was running. Both times he was sitting in the pocket, I think. It wasn't like he was running the ball down the field and got hit and got hurt. He got picked up or bent back in the pocket and, you know, high ankle sprains, whatever it may be. You know, so to me, I, I, people look at those and feel like he got to throw the ball more and sit in the pocket more and not run more. And he got hurt in the pocket, you know. And then also you look at the injuries we had the last two seasons where he, he, half his line was gone. You know, he was missing half his line and running backs was all out. You know, tight ends are out, the receivers. You know, he didn't have nobody to get the ball to. And it was taking forever for him to get the ball out of his hand because there's nobody open. You know, so you got to take all those things into consideration. But all those things pile up on you. You start to hear all the stuff that goes on on Twitter and all the stuff that's on ESPN and, and SportsCenter. And you hear all these, you know, these all, the, all the, the sports journalists talking about, you know, the commentators talking about Lamar Jackson runs too much or, you know, he's leading the league and he can't, he can't win every game with his legs. But I think a lot of that is coaching, coaching too. As a coach, I think when you get to a situation like you're in an AOC championship game, you have to turn around and tell your quarterback that, um, hey, man, now's the time for you to run every opportunity you get. And you got to set the tone for that in his mindset going into the game. You got to cut him loose and say, this is the time now for you to be Action Jackson. It's your time now to be Lamar. You got all the weapons around you. I still want you to keep your eyes downfield when you feel pressure. You know, but if, if you get the opportunity to run, run. You know, like he scrambled one time. He didn't even pump fake the throw at all. He just got got toppled right behind the line of scrimmage on the outside of the line. Like, he forgot he could pump fake the ball and then make the, the deep the D-line or the, or the O-line. I mean, um, the linebacker jumped by pumping fake, like pump faking the ball. He he just ran and got just kind of took the ball and got snapped outside. You know, so it's just mentally it just – he don't look like – he didn't look like the same guy in this game when he ran the ball. But then you see certain moments. 
like the tilt pass, and he just ran past everybody, caught that ball, and almost, you know, took off for a 40-yard game. Um, you see stuff like that happen, man. You just realize that this guy's different. And yeah. You got to allow different to be different. It's like telling Steph Curry not to shoot the three. I, I agree. You're like telling Tony Gwynn he should try to just be a home run hitter. You know, like, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, well, I, I guess it's a bit. Tony Gwynn wasn't a home run hitter, so maybe that's a bad comparison because we know that Lamar can throw the ball. Dan, you know, the other thing right. that, that Drew mentioned it earlier, and I, I, Drew and I are agreeing more frequently than I like, um, I'm not, I'm not panicked. I, it's a huge bummer to me that the Ravens lost this game because it was there for them and everything lined up and all of that. Yeah. But I don't have any reason to think that the Ravens, their foundation, like yeah, they might lose Patrick Queen, right? Like they might, they, they're gonna have to make some decisions about some of these vets, the Ronnie Stanleys of the world, Marlon Humphrey. But the foundation of Lamar Jackson and Zay Flowers and now two tight ends and Kyle Hamilton, and Roquan Smith, and I presume they're going to try to keep Justin Matabike around. Like, I I don't have any fear that a year from now they're not going to be capable, as long as Lamar stays healthy, of being right back in this position. And if they do, I do think that they benefit from the experience of going through this. Yeah, I, I think the biggest loss the Ravens had so far this, this offseason, since it's officially offseason now, is losing George. He's in the player personnel department, he's now going to be a general manager for some other lucky team in the NFL, you know, but um, I think that's a huge loss for the Ravens. I think they, the player personnel department is phenomenal in Baltimore. You know, Eric DaCosta, you know, George Cocaines, all those guys up top will do a, a, a great, a phenomenal job of replacing anything that they lose. And they understand the dynamics of losing a dynamic player that you might have to go get two or three guys to replace that one guy, you know, so they've done a phenomenal job with that. So I'm not really worried about the personnel part of this thing. I think the personnel will work itself out over time and they'll figure out how to replace whoever they lose. And, you know, maybe some guys may have to, you know, take the drop back a little bit of money to be able to stay on the team or whatever. But at the end of the day, they're going to do everything they can in in that personnel department to make sure this team is stacked and ready for whatever and got plenty of depth. They learned their lesson with depth with those last two years of injuries. So they know how important depth is. And that's how you've seen us play so well down the stretch and, Towards the end of this season, we have a ton of depth and guys came in making plays on in, on every single level, and I think they'll continue to to have that. They'll be fine in that in that in that department. Uh, it's what's going to come down to is you got a bunch of guys this year that got playing experience that never would have got it. You know, the Zay Flowers. You know, the two rookie mistakes he made was punting penalty and then stick, extending the ball over the goal line when you just saw, you know, the Tony kid from Kansas City do it last week. You know, and then you did it on first down. You know, you had three more downs that extended over the goal line. So you didn't have to do it that play. But it's just a playmaker's try to make plays. And he was a piece of playmaker and he just tried to make a play and and unfortunately he came up short. You know, and then the the fifteen yard tunnel taunting penalty was it was it was ill advised. And they try to compare it to what Kelsey, you know, Travis Kelsey did. The difference between those two situations is that Zay Flower spiked the ball right by the guy's head or dropped the ball right by the guy's head and stood over him, looking down at him. And Travis Kelsey got up, looked at it for a split second, and turned around, turned his back to Kyle Hamilton and spiked the ball in the corner of the end zone. You know, so it's two totally different situations. It's not the same. And I've been there. I've spiked the ball in, in, at a player's feet and, and got a, a personal foul for doing the same exact thing. And I knew, I knew exactly what I did wrong when I did it. You know, so those mistakes, you know, you get a chance to fix because now you've been in that fire. You understand what it, what, what it is. If the Ravens ever get a chance to get back in this situation, 
they won't it they won't fall short. You know, so I'm praying to God that it's one of those years like it was the like in twenty eleven, you know, when Ray talked to the team after the game and said, you know, you know, everything happens, nothing happens by chance, everything is meant to be. This is this is already written. We're supposed to be here. Next year is our year. You know, let's let's get to work right now. And I'm hoping that's what the Raven game plan and the mindset, Lamar, you know, him starting to kind of take on that leadership role. I'm hoping that's what he's telling his guys, like, let's start to work right now for next year. We'll take a quick break and let's get let's get out there. And um, I think they'll come back bigger and better than ever, you know, next season and have an opportunity to do some great stuff for us again next year. He is Dan Wilcox. Wouldn't uh, have lost if he was on the field. I, I'm just saying. <laughs> you get Wilcox in there. Eight catches, 84 yards. Yeah. He ain't spiking the ball on some guy. He's not getting a dumb penalty. And, and, and here's what I would also say. If you gave him the ball, let him run with it. <laughs> let Wilcox be the running back and the tight end. <laughs> Loves you so hey, much. At, at, at the end of the day, they had everything they needed. They didn't need 83. They no. had everything they needed in order to win this game. Bite your, man. I, I really bite I, I, I always hardly do. I feel like this came down to a coaching situation, and the coach is just not – you know, maybe taking it just a little bit too light just because of the dynamic players that they have. We're going to be fine just doing what we normally do. Nothing, you know, erratic, nothing special. And then they just kind of got caught up into the pressure of being behind and started to, you know, I guess panic. You can say panic and just started, you know, trying to throw the ball to stay in the game. But I, I didn't really feel like we needed to throw the ball to stay in the game. I think the longer, the more you run it, the more time comes off the clock, the less Patrick Mahomes gets on the field, the less opportunity he has to score. The defense did exactly what they, I thought they was going to do. I thought the second half they was going to shut them down, and they did. They locked them up, and they, they weren't able to score. And every time we got a chance to score, we just, you know, we threw a pick or we fumbled it or, you know, we went for it instead of taking a field goal or whatever. But <clears throat> I don't know. We, we you know, we got, every, we got all the pieces in place to be a, a Super Bowl contender and a Super Bowl champion. We just got to get back to the, to the dance next year. Uh, right. Remind everybody about Believe in Ravens. All right, anytime, man, anytime y'all got a chance, join us on the Believe in the Ravens podcast. You know, Daniel Wilcox and Tyree, and Tyree Thompson, uh, we're always talking about Ravens football. About to, about to film a, another episode today, and um, it'll be posted up tomorrow. So get a chance, join in, and we love you guys' comments, love anything you guys got to say, and we're excited about the Ravens football always. Believe in the Ravens. Love you, brother. Always appreciate you. Let's talk soon, all right? I'll be down next week to hang out with you for the week. Hey, as soon as you come down, call me. I got an Airbnb for you and everything. I'll meet you over there. That a boy. I love it. It's my guy. Dan Wilcox, thank <laughs> you, right, brother. Right, Appreciate you. Should have been doing a halftime show. <laughs> Let him sing. God's sake. So that guy they had up there mouthing, right. mouthing the words. <laughs> when we come back. That was yeah. terrible. He couldn't even sing Don't Stop Believing. All right. All right. T-Pain. We come back in. It was awful. We're, we come back in. We're going to do uh What's we're going to we didn't get to it yesterday. I tell you what. Here's my promise. We're going to do a quick uh, version of County Sports Zone Radio. Then we'll do a version of That's What's Wrong with This Country. Well, All I, right? I got a whole list. Well, I think we might be responding to somebody this morning and that's what's wrong with this country. T Pain. I think that might be the case. Who that's are we coming responding up. to. It's somebody who is Oh, the guy bad mouthing us on uh, yeah, YouTube. Yeah, we might, we'll uh, might hammer him in a second. Uh, we'll do that all that when we come back in. Drew's here, Glenn Clark Radio. 
Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best and use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's so much focus on sports betting these days, but I want to talk about an area that nobody wants to gamble on, where you choose to go out and spend your hard-earned dollars to eat. The Casas Inn is no gamble at all. The quality on their menu is outstanding, and the value is off the charts with a great and varied list of specials Monday through Friday. And the staples of the menu, whether it's salads, burgers, fish, they're all fantastic. And I haven't even mentioned the crabs or crab cakes yet. So check out the menu for yourself at CostasInn.com. When choosing a place to dine, never gamble on the food you put in your belly. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard or call 410-477-1975 for reservations and your steam crab orders. What company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses, allergens, and bacteria? A.J. Michaels. Heating and air conditioning in Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. The latest edition of PressBox is available now, and it's our very special annual best of issue. On the cover, we celebrate Orioles manager Brandon Hyde as our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, and the Orioles as our Team of the Year. With Stan the Fan Charles and Glenn Clark sitting down with Hyde to discuss his role in creating the culture that defined the Orioles' magic season. Also inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of 2023. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Ravens, Terps, and O's at PressBoxOnline.com. Hey, Ravens fans, looking for the perfect new game day brew? Get a Guilford, Baltimore's finest craft beer, during the next home game at the bank. That's not all. Gather your flock next home game and check out Guilford Hall Brewery's brand new bar, The Gilly Nest, located near Section 505. No tickets? No problem. Enjoy all Ravens games all season long at our restaurant and brewery in Station North. Guilford Hall Brewery, European tradition, Baltimore charm. All right, back in here on GCR as we continue along on a Wednesday edition of the program. If you missed it early in the week, Stan the Fan Charles, Ross Grimsley, Luke Jackson got together to talk some baseball. You can find it at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports, YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline, or PressBoxOnline.com slash video. Right now, let's spend a couple of minutes talking about what's going on in the world of local high school sports. Normally on Tuesdays, this week we move things around because of the lacrosse show. Joining us now from County Sports Zone, he is our friend Wes Brown. It's time for County Sports Zone Radio. Wes, good morning, man. How are you? Good. How are you? Everything is good. I guess this uh, wasn't a fluke a couple weeks ago with uh, Hammond Girls Basketball. They're the real deal, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I think the the, the key thing for them was, was getting over the the Howard and, and the River Hill bumps there, but um, beat, beat River Hill last week uh, sizably as well, uh, moving to 14-0 on the season, 9-0 in Howard County play. Uh, it'll be kind of interesting to see how they do in in the postseason, given they don't necessarily have have that uh, experience right. under their belt. 
Right. Obviously, you know, well, that'll be a different animal. But right now they're kind of proving they are definitively the team to beat. Um, run me through uh, some of the other big results as we got back to action over the course of the last week in uh, regular season play, and we talked about how we're getting later into the season. Uh, run me through some of the other big results that stood out to you over the course of the week. Yeah, so in uh, in Baltimore County there, uh, Franklin took his first loss of the season last week, losing to Parkville by 30. Yeah, they made it uh, count. Right. Not, not, even, not even close there. Yeah, that's significant. Uh, yeah, and then early early this week, action. Um, Old Mill took down Severna Park uh, by five, ending and uh, ending the Falcons' nine game win streak there. Um, and St. Francis uh, yesterday uh, pulled off uh, against Glenelg uh, Country fifty four fifty, using a, a late run there uh, to to pull that one out. I feel like Glenelg Country is always one of those uh, tough games that not not a lot of people really really think about there. Um, so you know, obviously, we're getting closer to the end of the season. Um, yeah, let's go to the uh, player of the week. Who you got for me? Yeah, so back to uh, Paint Branches, Isaiah Lee. Actually, won one one uh, earlier this year. Uh, but I was going through some of the the stuff that happened last week. He grabbed, he scored forty one points and grabbed five rebounds and went over over Rockville on Friday. Hard to hard to uh, to, to beat a forty point performance. Yeah, half the team's points, right? <laughs> like forty one points. That is pretty staggering. Uh, for the second uh, County Sports Zone Player of the Week award this year for Isaiah Lee. He's Wes Brown from County Sports Zone. He's with us here on GCR. All right, so so Wes, again, run me through how much time is remaining in the regular season in basketball at this point. Yeah, so coming up on, on February here, it's kind of the, the last month, you know, end, end of February. Um, we, we start to get into, you know, county championships, brackets, and, and all that good stuff. Um, so kind of hitting the, the home stretch here for, for teams to, you know, fight themselves in the seating, obviously with basketball, everyone gets a chance to compete in the, in the postseason. but, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see some, some fights for seating here and, and see which teams are, are the real deal. Is there anybody that from like a recruiting standpoint has like popped up that people are talking about this year? Is there any name that maybe we didn't know as much about at the beginning of the year that we need to know more about at this point? It's... Um, not too much in terms of new names. I think kind of on the on the public school scene, especially, is still just just Cam Ward there yeah. down in Largo. Um, yeah. and they've done a really good job of, of playing some some tournaments and whatnot here to to get some shine there. And obviously, they played really well last year. Um, so it's going to be exciting to see what what they're able to do on the on the postseason stage this year. All right. So run everybody through um, what's still going on with County Sports Zone. Where what what will they find at County Sports Zone? Give me the whole thing. Yeah, so as far as basketball goes, we're still doing our, our county sports zone pick 'em. We're doing a matchup each each week, each each day of each week. Um, different slates, different counties across the state. Um, so if you just just sign up, you can pick your winners. Um, just just get some points and, and climb up the leaderboard there. Um, and we're also in the process of of uploading spring schedules. So with basketball winding down here, um, we're getting some spring schedules up so people can can plan ahead and and get ready for what should be another exciting season. Uh, by the way, I I just saw this. I was not aware of uh, Kevin Humes from St. Francis committed to Maryland. Huh? That's a pretty that's a, it seems like a pretty significant get. I also didn't know that he reclassified the St. Francis cornerback who's a four star yeah. commit. So yeah, he, seems... he reclassified down on on Christmas Day. Uh, picked up some offers late from from Florida and USC there. Um, and, and Maryland was one of the schools that was fighting for some uh, fighting for for a visit there. Um, and obviously, getting Coach Azar back from from yeah. Boston College definitely helps on the, the the local recruiting front there. So they were able to to get another four star cornerback. It, it's always tricky with the 
the Christmas reclassification, you know, he went from, you know, just finishing his junior season and now he has to sign by February. Um, but I guess he was able to, to come to the decision that uh, staying home with, with Maryland was the right call. So that's, uh, that is notable uh, for Maryland, for sure, to pick up a, a four-star cornerback commitment from Kevin Humes to St. Francis. All right, Wes, remind everybody where they can find you and CSC as well on social media. Yep, so you can find me at W underscore Brown 21 on Twitter, and County Sports Zone is down at, uh, at CSC Scores on uh, Twitter, Instagram, um facebook all that um, county sports.zone is the website where you can find score schedules and pretty much anything relating to uh, high school sports across the state of maryland excellent all right thank you so much really appreciate the time as always Wes. we'll talk to you next week yep see you next week that's uh west brown from county sports zone with us here on gcr for county sports zone radio remember when i told drew that we were going to do the segment i said we'll do we'll do it that's so what's wrong with the country yeah. after we talked to <laughs> what what happened do I need to go find him now Is... I just I don't want to make <laughs> like, I understand we're not the Pat McAfee program <laughs> I get that high level and that. you know what we sign up for it we put up with it <laughs> but he just got up said i'm gonna go wander around for a bit i had a meeting with john oh yeah how'd john that go me in for a meeting how'd that go well i gotta talk to you a little bit when oh, we're yeah. done yeah what do you want to chat about <laughs> what do you want to chat about because if it's about adding a name to the marquee i'm good no oh it it does involve a name on the marquee right <laughs> tell you what well, we ain't we ain't adding it i think we'll be all right <laughs> i think we'll be all right john's like i just i like glenn too much to break the news i right. said i right. said I'll break it. Yeah, go handle that. <laughs> Come in here and handle that. Tell you what, you can have my salary. Enjoy. I said I'll handle it. Uh, <laughs> all right, it's time for America's fastest growing show. That's what's wrong with the country. You, you come keep, up with some imaging for this. You keep yeah. poo-pooing this. You, I know, because you got two kids and you got probably four more on the way. I'm you, done. oh, you got that's right. You got the snip. Um. You, we, what you could like? be buying the Orioles in 10 years if you played this thing right. You could be buying the Orioles. You could be the one buying the team. I'm going to guess probably not. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to get quite the $1.7 billion. Uh, I don't think that number is going to ourselves happen. short. All right. Uh, that's What's Wrong With The Country is uh, brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel. Griffin, what's <laughs> we got going a sponsor on? already. Well, <laughs> Damn. we'll talk about that later. Okay. Uh, this uh, Sports and Social at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland is the place to be for the big game. They feature an on-site FanDuel location, and an, it is the ultimate spot to watch the big game on the massive 100-foot media wall. Order up your favorite game day bites, take a sip from our signature crushes, and extensive beer selections all just steps away from fan, from the FanDuel Sportsbook. Watch, wager, and win at Sports and Social at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. At Rondo Mills must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm um somebody named Baltimore Football History on YouTube is um I don't know who this person is. Okay. Might be the nicest guy in the world, right? Might be a swell fella. Might help uh, grandmothers across the street and donate their time to a, a soup uh, kitchen. I have no idea. Probably not. Don't know anything about Baltimore football history. All right. Um, Baltimore football history has been in the chat all day today. Okay. It's had opinions about everything. Mad. Yes, but in particular, this one is the one. I'm going to read it verbatim. Okay. 
The Baltimore media needs to get the Ravens' nutsack out of their mouths and call for accountability. Double exclamation point. Mm. Just to make Glad sure. you didn't put three in there. Right. Okay. Genius. What's that mean? I'm dying to know. What does that exactly mean when you say the Baltimore media I guess yeah, loosely you could consider a, us that. A but, monolith of some right, sort. I'm right. Not, when, when you say that, what's that mean? Accountability needs to be accountable. And what's that mean? You, do you want us to call them names? Do you want us to say you guys sucked on Sunday? Do you want us to say this can't happen again? Do you want us to say get it fixed? Like, what's it mean when you just say something like that? And I, 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 I get it. Like, we're biting the hook here. Hook got thrown in the water, and we're biting it. Yep. But what well, is I that? Got, I got a point. But what does that mean? I've, I've got a point here. The, the, and, and, and again, if and people do this a lot, people claim, you know, uh, uh, football history, whatever his name is, mm-hmm. but people do this all the time. They claim to understand sports. They, they claim that. And, and they forget the most obvious thing about sports. You don't always win. Because the other team is trying to do the same thing you're doing. And while you're up at 1130, burning the midnight oil, watching game film, so are they. So when you think, if we would have just run, do, do I think the Ravens should have run the ball more? Absolutely. Do I know for a fact, had they run the ball more, they were going to win? I do not know that. But we do this all the time. I, I, I meaning this guy, I'm going to go on here and I'm going to demand accountability. Well, what's that mean? By the way, he has no idea. Now, I'm, I'm going to go two steps further. Um, I got a text from a friend of mine, someone I like a lot, who is in the business, who said to me, I wish you were angrier. This was two days ago. This was on Monday. Yeah, Brent Harris sent me the same text. <laughs> said, I wish you were angrier. When you were young, you were angrier. And it was good. Now, I can, if you'd like. I, I, by the way, I, I'll, I'll give you, I'll pull the curtain back. for. I sat, I mentioned I was in uh, Chuck's office last night when I got, we got the news about the David Rubenstein. Chuck said, how you handling this? Like, it, like it affected me personally. I said, you know what I'm, you you know what it did affect me. I had some offers to do some events next week in Las Vegas that I could have profited off of. So I'm gonna guess that it actually impacted me more than it impacted most people in town. In a tangible way. You know what I understand as an adult is exactly what Drew just said. Your team doesn't always win. It sucks. It sucks. The, the situation sucks. It sucks that the Ravens had things lined up for them, that they were relatively healthy this season, that almost every single one of their offseason moves panned out. I don't know that it will set up for them the same way. But you know what? It set up for them in 2011, and they didn't win then. You know what year it didn't set up for them at all? 2012. Nothing set up for them. Nothing. No, they lost four games in a row in December. They, they, they couldn't do anything right. Right. 
Everyone was hurt. Terrell Suggs was hurt. Ray Lewis was hurt. Nothing set up for them. And then they won the Super Bowl. And I don't know that the Ravens are going to win the Super Bowl next year. I can't guarantee you. Van Valkenburg had a tweet a couple years ago that I thought was the best ever about Lamar Jackson. That we keep trying to measure everyone by winning the Super Bowl. Dan Marino never won one. I don't know if Lamar Jackson is going to win a Super Bowl. Jim Kelly never won one. Phillip Rivers never won one. I sure as hell hope he does. And I think he's got a hell of a chance to because he's that good. Patrick Mahomes is really difficult to get past right now. It's happened, but it's really hard. Sometimes it's just a football game. But there's one thing that goes a step further. And the vitriol that I've seen on display, I feel like has been tied into people who think the Ravens owe them because they spent an ungodly amount of money on football tickets. You know what's wrong with this country? Is we aren't taking accountability for our own actions. Right. Some dude sent me an email and said, we... We decided to go to um, the football game instead of Ocean City. We're, we're so disappointed. I'm like, I, I hear you. It's, you. You spent $8,000 on football tickets. I, That's your choice. You And and by the way, you were spending $8,000 whether or not they won or lost. Correct. And you knew that before you went to the game. Correct. No and one forced you to do now that. Now you don't want to go to Ocean City. Okay. And I, I, I don't even know that it was a bad idea to go to the game. You... You had you got to enjoy a great day with your family. Was it worth eight grand? I don't know. That's up to you. I, it, it's all relative. I said that before we were talking last week, and we were talking about the ticket prices. And I said last week the ticket prices were going to be insane. Was it worth two thousand dollars? It was if you're a millionaire, and it, and if you make twenty six grand a year, it might not have been worth two grand. No, it would have been worth saying I can't do this. I I, right. I I said this once this week when I found out that we might do Project Game Day later in the day. I said to myself, maybe I'll go. Maybe I'll go. I'll look at it, and maybe I'll go. And then I looked at the ticket prices and said, I'm not going. Well, ticket prices were insane. I'm not going because I am capable as an adult of understanding what my means are. And to the point about well, your friends, I'd like to take my family to the beach this summer. This, so, is, this is what's wrong with the country in a lot of ways, and I don't even know how this has happened. We We... We don't want to just say, I, I, I'm at fault. Correct. We don't want to do that. It's, I, I did this. If I it, made this If call. it was too expensive, that's not on the Ravens. You have the option. It's a problem how much bread costs in this country. It's a problem it's an, how it's much... another thing. It's, it's, those are real problems. Milk. We have the option to choose whether or not it's worth it for us to go to these things. When you complain about the games being on Peacock, that's your call. Is it worth it to you to subscribe to Peacock or not? That's not the NFL's call. That's not NBC's call. It's yours. You as a human being. So your vitriol towards the Ravens because you spent some ungodly amount of money on a football game, that's not about them. You made the decision. You did. And this whole thing about this accountability, again, what what's what is exactly does that mean? They they're however disappointed you are, however disappointed you are, 
on a one to ten. John Harbaugh is times six. Todd Munkin is times six. They're devastated. You're mad because you spent fourteen hundred dollars to go to the game and they didn't win. And I get it. They're devastated. So this this and and this is not the first time we've heard this. By the way, well, this people is, have been doing this in Baltimore for a long it, time. When are you guys going to hold them accountable for winning? Well, yeah, they, they just hosted the AFC Championship right. game on Sunday. This is the other part that we are so lost about. You know who you hold accountable? The Commanders. The Panthers. The Falcons. The Wizards. The Wizards. <laughs> For years, the Orioles. Right, right. For well, years. We did that. And we actually. did that. A hundred percent we did that. We weren't well liked that's, because of it. That's that's the reality. <laughs> right. We dealt with that. Only I, I, I always go back to this. People seem to people always seem to forget this. Only one team wins. You you want it to be your team. You put all the pieces in place to to make it your team. You get close. But again, in the end, everybody ends their season with a loss in the playoffs except one team. That's the way it goes. I mean, it, it's and what's baffling to me as I do this and you're gonna do it for much much longer than I am. Like what's baffling <laughs> to me is that most of these people have in some way, shape, or form have played sports before in their life. That's what of all the things that are weird to me, that's the weirdest thing of all. Like you know that you don't win every you, time. You, you right. played sports. Right. You as a kid. Even if you didn't play organized sports. Even if you just but, played you know it, that it, sometimes it, but, you lose. But if you played little league baseball or you played CYO basketball or you played a Pop Warner football or you played junior golf or junior tennis or junior swimming or whatever you did, you 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 saw it firsthand. That you don't always win. <laughs> I, and for the most part, these morons that are on Twitter who are constantly, who are constantly trying to harangue the head coach or the team or the franchise or the uh, offensive coordinator or the players, you, those people played sports. And they, and, and they should know. But we're in this world, and this is what's wrong with this country. We're in this world where I have to have a hot take of some sort. Like, I've got to stand out. Yep, I said this last week. Francis Chan, who's probably my favorite minister of national prominence, always says, we're, we're in a world right now where we take pictures of ourselves and put them up on the, on the Internet and say, look at me. We, and we do this on the Internet. Look, here's what I'm going to say about the football team. I know more than John Harbaugh. I know more than but there's plenty of people on Twitter who profess that. I know more than John Harbaugh or Todd Munkin. I know what Lamar should have done. Like it's bizarre. Uh, uh, from people who played sports. It's totally different if you didn't it, it, What's my analogy? It would be like me being critical of Tom Cruise in his latest movie role. And you would say to me, gee, that's an interesting take, Drew. Give me your acting right, yeah. career. How, how do you know? Right. And I would say, well, that's a good point. I, I never acted. Yeah. These are people that played sports, we think. And, and you should know the dynamic of it by now, the older you get. 
And I don't know, maybe it's because I'm 61 years old. Like, And maybe part of this is I did work in it from the time I was 18 until I was 37, and I saw it firsthand. We, we never beat the San Diego Soccers. We wanted to. We were close. We were a quarter away at one point. We never beat them. But it, it, wasn't, it wasn't because we needed to be more accountable. In fact, they made us more accountable. Coward Hall Golf won the championship last year. We beat St. Paul's. You know one of the reasons why we beat St. Paul's? We got tired of seeing them win. Sure. <laughs> and, and, and I was accountable. And I said, we're going we're gonna to try to get better kids to come here and play golf, and we're going to train harder and practice more because I want to beat them. And so we held ourselves accountable. I mean, let me, you don't think the Ravens hold themselves accountable? Let me say two things. First, I, we have this insatiable desire as fans, whenever the team loses, for someone to be fired. Well, we want to be right. It's I'll never, whatever it is, whether it's been the offensive coordinator, whether it's been the head coach, we have this insane. A year ago, when the Ravens season ended, a lot of you thought it was time for Lamar Jackson to not be the quarterback of the Baltimore Ravens anymore. He'd never get through a season. Of course, Lamar Jackson is about to become a two-time MVP. Now, where's the accountability for you idiots? Where's that? What does that look like? Where is the accountability for the idiots that said, Lamar Jackson is always hurt. He'll never play in December. It's time to move on. Derek Carr should be the quarterback. What, What does the accountability look like for that? To be clear, I don't give a rat's ass. I didn't care then about the nonsense things that you were saying. There is a group of people that say, I don't want John Harbaugh to be fired, but I'm worried that Mike McDonald is going to prove to be a hell of a coach and the Ravens have the opportunity to make a decision to make him their coach and say to John Harbaugh, we love you, but we need to get younger and this is the guy and we've got the guy and we can't let him leave. And to you I say, maybe. Maybe. I would say that if you ran your business that way, you'd probably be failure personified. Just on a whim, maybe this thing, we this works, but maybe this other thing would work too. Maybe. Hey, did anybody want Rex Ryan to be the coach of the Ravens once upon a time? Yeah, dreadful. Yeah, it was awful. Like everyone Right. Wanted Rex Ryan to be the coach of the right. Ravens, correct? Do I, I'm remembering that correctly. Yes, very much When so. Brian Billick was fired, overwhelmingly, Ravens fans wanted Rex Ryan to be the coach of the Ravens. Is that correct? Very much so. And for what it's worth, Rex Ryan got to two AFC Championship games. He wasn't a failed head coach. He was, by NFL terms, a fairly successful head coach. But the internet has done this, and social media has done this to people, because you put... And, and, and some people don't. You and I do. We put our names to it. Some of these people just use football historian or whatever instead of their real name. But people do this. They, they post things on the Internet, and they want to be able to come back later on and say, I told you I was right. I know more than John Harbaugh or Kevin Willard or Mike Loxley or uh, Brandon Hyde or who, any of the other people that run these teams. They, people want to be able to say, I told you I was right. They're, they're never around, and I used this analogy about the football, about the play the other night at the end of the, the, or the Zay Flowers play. Zay Flowers fumbles the ball, and, and, 
and people beat him up for that. And if the flip side of that happened and Kyle Hamilton would have knocked the ball out of Travis right. Kelsey's hand, right. everyone would have said Kyle Hamilton is should go to the Hall of Fame. But both things can be true sometimes. Uh, like, I, I hear you, but right. I'm saying we take whatever the scenario right. is that we need to massage to get in to make it to make it fit our agenda. When Palomalu knocked the ball out of Flacco's hand in that game, yep. it was because Flacco wasn't paying attention. If Suggs would have done that to Palo, to Roethlisberger, we would have said Suggs is a beast. We so wouldn't have that's, said that's, that's Roethlisberger true. wasn't right. paying attention. That's true. Right? So we do this because we need to make sure it fits our narrative and our agenda. I told you I was right. Told you they wouldn't win the Super Bowl with Harbaugh as a coach. Told you that. Told you they wouldn't win with Lamar. Told you guys. I've told you for years. Yep. They can't win a Super Bowl with Lamar as the coach. I told you that. That's what people want to be able to say. Which is bizarre because it gets you zero dollars. It gets you zero anything. No, but people. Nothing. But people. Nothing. It accomplishes nothing. There's I no know scoreboard. Football. There's no. But I know football. Right. And I know they can't win with, with Lamar. I told you so. Right. You didn't listen to me. Told you. If Couldn't you know you. something, go bet on it. Like if you're if you yeah, know right. something, right, and I mean right. that. If you know something, go I'm bet on you. it. I'm with you. There. I had a hell of an Australian Open betting. Griffin knows that. I had a hell of an Australian Open. Other than the women's side, the women's side not so great. The men's side, three different opportunities I had to bail on Yannick Sinner is the bet. I didn't do it. I wrote it out and bet it again and again. You didn't tell me. I did. You just didn't choose to listen to the program. I said multiple times oh. that I was betting Yannick Sinner to win the tournament from the get-go. Damn. And when he faced Novak Djokovic, I said I'm betting him again. Damn. I'm, I'm going in. Next time, text me. And that. then when he faced Daniil Medvedev and I had the opportunity yeah, to say, well, a lot. I've already won so much I could just cash out now. I said, nope, I'm doubling back down and I'm betting on him again to beat Medvedev. I kept doing it and it worked out, but I didn't know. I'm doing that with Kepka at the Masters. Okay, there you go. Go for it. That's your winner. If you know something, go bet on it. And if you win, you've got something tangible. But, uh, but enough with this accountability stuff in the media. I agree with that. It's a joke. I agree with that. And like, for, for what what's it's that worth, mean? For what it's worth, when accountability is necessary. And, and, and here's what I, I think. Here's what I would do, say. Do you guys remember when uh, a young man died in DJ Durkin's watch? I I was happy to say DJ Durkin can't coach the football team anymore. That, by the way, that's accountability. You so if the if what you're looking for is for us to say or the media to say. John Harbaugh should be fired. Nope. That no, but that is that what you mean? That's what I think. That's what this person yeah, means. Yeah, I, I I would say that's probably that's their definition yep. of accountability. And that's not really accountability. Nope, not at all. Accountability is this: they go wherever they go in three weeks, and Eric and John and Steve and whoever replaces Joe Ortiz and the other scouts. Accountability is we need to get better on the offensive line. We need to get maybe a better running back because we don't know what's going on with Dobbins. We probably need some help in the secondary. Millette wasn't all that good the other day. Darby. We, here's accountability. How, how, where are we getting eight better football players? Well, but, it, account, but that's accountability. Asking the media for accountability. Right, right, right. It's a joke. No one is saying that it's cool that the Ravens lost the AFC Championship game. I don't believe that anybody in the media has come out and said, boy, what an accomplishment that was. They lost the game. That, that's amazing. But what we're not going to do is lie. I'm not going to tell you that I think it was a failed season for the Baltimore Ravens. I said this a couple weeks ago when we did the Super Bowl or bust topic. To pretend like the rest of the season didn't happen from where the Ravens were in the spring to now and to pretend like this is a failure, get the entire F out of here with that. They went I mean, 14, get the entire F out. They went 14-5. and five. 
not doing that. Right. Because no, I won't no, lie. No, they didn't go 14 and 5. They went. Yeah, because they went 13 and 4 in the regular oh, yeah, season. Oh, right. yeah, They lost four games. Right. They went 14 and 5. Right. And they. And they beat everybody in their wake except for the the one team that at the beginning of the year you would have said, hey, saw the script. It's the Ravens and the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. You would have went, no, oh, that sounds about yeah, right. Correct. <laughs> so I, it, I'm, I, I'm not going to do the bit that you want me to do where I pretend like it's a failure or I pretend like they're not capable of winning a Super Bowl with the head coach that they have, which, you know, again, who's already won a Super Bowl. Like, I'm not going to do that. Can I guarantee it to you? Of course not. Can I guarantee that Mike McDonald will win a Super Bowl as a head coach? Absolutely not. I think Mike McDonald looks like a hell of a coach. I think his players seem to like him. Do I have any idea what Mike McDonald's going to be as a head coach? No. If the Ravens, if John Harbaugh retired tomorrow and somebody asked me, what do you think they should do at head coach? I'd be inclined to say, yeah, I'd be willing to look at McDonald. But I would still want them to do a coaching search. I I don't know. I would still want them to do the diligence that led them to John Harbaugh. We fall in love. This would definitely work. You have no idea. No earthly clue if Mike McDonald is going to be a great head coach in the NFL or not. And he might. You know who is? John Harbaugh. And I, I wish that he would have stepped in. I wish that he would have told Todd Munkin, hey, man, what are we doing? I think that was a failure. But for me to pretend like it's proof that the Ravens can never win a Super Bowl is just nonsense, and you're not going to get that here. I would I would assume, by the way, that at halftime, John probably said to— You'd like to hope that he did. I, I think he probably said to Todd, hey, well, you know, well, tell me what's going on. What's, what's, what's our game plan here? And, you know, Munkin might have said, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to get—I'm trying to run the ball, but— it's third and seven, or second and eight every time. And John's like, yeah, because you threw a two-yard pass. But let's let's revisit it. Let, let's, you know, let's try and make some progress on the run here. Well, let's, no pun intended. So I, I'm i just amazed. I'm Time and time again, I, I'm amazed at how many people professed that they know sports and played sports and then show in high definition – that they have no idea what they're talking about. And you played. And that's what I can't get over. I understand emotion. I do understand emotion. Well, you said the best thing of all earlier. And it's this it's this bizarre infatuation with firing people. It's, I mean, one of the former presidents made a TV show out of it and had no experience, really. But they gave him the show anyway. And, 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 his, and his boilerplate line was, you're fired. Uh, it... it we have this bizarre infatuation with making, with hanging people when they do something that didn't go the way we thought it was going to go. The we thought it was going to go. By the way, no one in Kansas City today right. wants Andy Reid fired. They just won. Yep. It was just all based on who won. And, and, and a week ago, nobody in Baltimore wanted John. Nobody thought we should fire John Harbaugh before the AFC Championship game. Well, you had some morons that always no, some say people that. people all season long. But no one last Thursday thought, hey, clowns too. today should we fire the coach and have somebody else coach right. the AFC Championship game? Right. Nobody felt that way. Right. This is our emotional. We, we don't handle these things well. And I, I tell you, this is parenting. I'm dealing with this with my eight-year-old. Who doesn't? John fired. No, he doesn't oh. handle it well when he loses. 
Oddly, in real sports, he handles it quite fine. But like when we're playing around with his brother in the backyard and he loses, he's the, you know, I, you cheated. He, like it's that. All right. And I got to deal with him with it, and it probably has helped me. Maybe it's part of the reason to my friend that messaged the other day why I'm not as angry, because I've got to deal with like learning how to lose. It happens. It's part of it. You lose sometimes. It sucks. If you lose a lot, then you got to make changes. That's not what the Ravens do. They don't lose a lot. They lose sometimes. And it's a bummer when they do. But 31 teams are not winning the Super Bowl this year. That's the reality of it. And I'm not to pretend like it's some sort of a front, that it's an embarrassment that they're a failed franchise because they didn't win the Super Bowl is nonsense. It's nonsense, and you're a dolt. You are a small-brained person if you think that's the way that this works. Let me tell you one What's other thing wrong with the country. country. Well, let me tell you one yeah, other thing. It's 1220. Okay, I still I, have to talk to Trey Wingo. We're going to be here until yeah, 1 o'clock. All right, but this is what's wrong, yeah. too. Is you, you, got two, you got one minute. Okay, but you're... One minute. Go. You keep... Go. Blathering on. It's Glenn Clark Radio. When you're, for now, for when you're behind someone in in your car and the light turns green, you, you don't have to honk right then. And I, I know what you're, I know yeah. what you're thinking. I know you're thinking I'm on my phone. Mm-hmm. I might not be on my phone. I might have reached down for the cup of water that's in my, in, 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 in between my seats. I might be changing the radio station from 33 over to 30. But I might not be on my phone, but don't. But you got to honk. I'm going to give and, you. And, and, and this, you know I've why? Got a, I've got a three second rule. You know why? Because mm-hmm. you got to get somewhere. Well, yeah, you're the star of the show. No, I, we've talked about that before, too. But I would say it's a three second rule because sometimes people are asleep. That 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 is a I, thing. I, I, I agree. It's, to me, it's a three second rule. No problem. If the light's green for three seconds, I, I'm talking about when the light turns green yep. and you hit the horn. Yep. No, I, I see the light's green. Right. I'm moving. Yep. You're a psychopath. But three seconds is my number. At three seconds, no problem. It's time to honk. No, it's time no, to no it's problem. time to make sure the person in front of me is awake. Is is totally, still with us? Totally understand. At three seconds, that's my number. Three, four, whatever. No yep. problem. But s- stop honking because you're in a hurry. Yep. Yep. Not my. Uh, you're not the star of the show. Right. You're not. Everybody, uh, I got to get there. If there's a fire, call nine one one. I mean, like that. You're not the star of the show. All right. That's what's wrong with this country. What's There's wrong with this country is too, we just did 30 minutes, and I have 30 more minutes of show to do. Well, good. I got to go All right, because Drew I got Forrester, Chinese food waiting for me. Good, God bless you. Drew's morning. And when are you taking us? And I got practice. Oh, yeah. We got to go soon. Um, we'll figure that out. We'll figure it out. You want to go we next Wednesday just, after the show? Well, we might just cheat and go right over here to Ichiban. Well, that's not quite the same. It's, it's Oh. It's good. Oh. It's good. Oh. It's really good. Maybe Man, I'll bring it a, over here next week. They did a story, by the way, last week about all the food trucks the Ravens bring out, and they had a picture of the. Uh, are you an Ekaben guy? A who? Ekaben. Uh uh-uh. uh Oh god, I was not. What's Kyle, that? Kyle Ottenheimer was obsessed with Ekaben. What is it? It's um like Asian fried chicken. Oh. But oh, I'm interested. They they do a bowl. Okay. That's the most ridiculous thing you'll ever consume in your entire life. Okay. And there was a picture of it. The banner did like a story about the Ravens food trucks. They put a picture, and I, I swear to God, I'm like looking at it, just salivating. It's so. It's the banner costs good. money. You got to. Yeah, it does. It's a paywall. Yep. It does. Okay. But they do a good job. It's another thing wrong in this country. <laughs> Paying for, for what? <laughs> Paying for content is what's wrong with the con. Uh, I can't do this with you today. Drewsmorningdish.com.
Go there. Everybody's got to get rich. You doing a radio show on Sunday? Did I s- you're on the schedule. Ah! When? For the golf show. You're on the schedule. For this Sunday? We'll talk about it. Oh, my you're God. You're on the schedule. Seriously? Yes, you are. You're scheduled. Ah! So I was supposed to go to Queenstown to play golf. Well, that's going to be awkward. Oh, hell. <laughs> going to be uncomfortable. I'm glad you said something. Maybe, maybe or maybe not a, go- a golf show on Sunday. Oh, man. They'll come back in. Tidbit, tubular, Trey Wingo to wrap it up. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Hungry? With seven locations throughout Maryland, Glory Days Grill is always right around the corner. They have wings, burgers, salads, sandwiches, and drinks to satisfy everyone, as well as tons of televisions and sound delivered right to your phone. Glory Days is the best place to watch football or whatever your favorite sport is. While you're there, be sure to check out Goose Flights Lager, named in honor of legendary Raven Tony Goose Siragusa. $2 of every can is donated to the Goose Flights Foundation. Glory Days Grill. Great food, good sports. Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best. And use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken, a family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Jeremy Kahn here. The ultimate sports betting experience in Maryland is at the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbook. Join me at either location in Canton or in Towson and place your bets in person and be a part of the action. It's the best in-class sports wagering experience complete with the ultimate TV package, ensuring you can catch every game all day, every day. Their state-of-the-art facilities bring Las Vegas energy right here to Maryland just in time for postseason football. So visit the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbook in Canton and Towson and elevate your game day experience and hang out with me to bet, watch, and win at the Turtle. Hey, Ravens fans, looking for the perfect new game day brew? Get a Guilford, Baltimore's finest craft beer, during the next home game at the bank. That's not all. Gather your flock next home game and check out Guilford Hall Brewery's brand new bar, The Gilly Nest, located near Section 505. No tickets? No problem. Enjoy all Ravens games all season long at our restaurant and brewery in Station North. Guilford Hall Brewery, European tradition, Baltimore charm.
All right, winding down for a Wednesday edition. It's not a Would You Rather. If you're going to ask about Would You Rather Wednesday, two things. One, it will be back next week. There was breaking news that was going to be more significant, and I didn't want to goof around. The hilarious part is our friend Ivan um, had messaged me yesterday at, like, noon and said, oh, God, i got to find what the scenario was. It was so bloody funny. Um, He sent me a Would You Rather Wednesday scenario yesterday. Oh, God, before any of this happened. He oh, said, it was about like... Owner. He said, hey, Glenn Clark Radio, I have a would-you-rather topic for you. Orioles are sold in the near future, but Lamar never gets a Super Bowl appearance with the Ravens, or the Ravens win the Super Bowl next year, and the Angelos family maintains ownership for the next 30-plus years. How about... Which was pretty funny. Yeah. But <laughs> if this means that Lamar's never getting to the Super Bowl, I... <laughs> I had somebody attempt that with me. Uh, our friend Aaron Oster from out in Vegas sent me a text yesterday. With a, it was a, it, I, I do love that people associate me now with Would You Rather. Like I appreciate that. But Can I do one? Um, hang on. It was, uh, what did he say? Uh, would you, would you rather go back and have the? It was the same exact. Would you rather go back and have the Ravens win, but uh, the Angelo stayed in charge for another decade, or the? Yeah. It's just a no. I'm not even listening. That's a no. That one specifically, because that doesn't rule out like next year, right? Like you can kind of, you could still get the best of both worlds. So knowing that they didn't win, you're like, well, we're hoping that it's next year. So as long as you, Ivan's is more difficult to say Lamar never Never, gets a Super Bowl appearance. Never reaches a Super Bowl. Yeah, that's a no, too. I don't even know what the other option is unless it's me playing a Well, the other option was that the Angelos family would remain in charge for 30 years. If these don't involve me playing at Augusta National, they're all nerds. Remember when he, remember when he left? <laughs> remember that? Well, I mean, ordering Chinese. Said he had to go. <laughs> remember that? Um, I, 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 we're going to bring back Would You Rather Wednesday next week. We're just going to be – we have more pressing things to talk about today. So that was the only reason why we didn't do Would it Would you rather – And it's going to be brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Oh. And we're going to be bringing back Glory Days Grill gift certificates to give the ah, way uh, on Would You Rather Wednesday. So nice. I do like that. I'm excited yes. about it. We love Glory Days Grill. You can get goose flights there. I had uh, I love the cauliflower wing. I swear to God, best cauliflower wings in town. Somebody's gonna say, "How's that possible?" They're massive. I don't know how that. I think they might be putting steroids in the cauliflower wings over at Glory Days Grill. But like some places, you go, you order cauliflower wings, and like it's a side. You go to Glory Days Grill and you order yeah, the cauliflower yeah. wings. That it's is a, a lunch. It's a, a meal. Yeah. It's a legit meal. Don't judge me because you can still put on. I think I put the number two sauce on them last week. You can still put a delicious. Like it probably isn't even healthy by the time that I've. I've done it. It's just delicious. So um, all in. Looking forward to having Glory Days Grill back on with us for Would You Rather Wednesday starting uh, next week. What did you want to do? Mike McDonald is hired by the Seahawks. Would you rather the D.C. be Vrabel or oh, they promote yeah. Denard Wilson? Yeah, we were talking about this yesterday. Damn it. It's a good one. What do you think about that, Forrester? No. I don't even know what you're talking about. If Mike McDonald leaves, would you rather they promote Denard Wilson who's been interviewing everywhere, or they hire Mike Vrabel to be their defensive coordinator. Well, I like Vrabel. And when we can Harbaugh, we can use him as the head coach. I actually really like Vrabel, too. I do, too. I love Vrabel. I do, too. For what it's worth, like, if we want to have a legitimate conversation about it. Well, what are you doing? You're presupposing Anthony Weaver goes somewhere else? Yeah, I guess that's... I'm presupposing... He would be the next guy, right? say that... Vrabel or one of the assistants, whatever. It feels like... It feels like 
Weaver almost purposely doesn't want to be defensive coordinator. They had the opportunity before to make Anthony Weaver their defensive coordinator, and they didn't do it. I do find this is a topic for another day. I do find it interesting that we're, uh, speaking of infatuated, that we're infatuated with the idea that because a guy is a really good coordinator, he is also going to be a great coach. Right. And I would say, and I'll give the Chargers a tip of the cap a second. I have no idea what Jim Harbaugh is going to do. I, I, I've mixed emotions about Jim Harbaugh. But Jim Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh is a proven head football coach. Yes. I think your chances are way and, – and I'll use Mike Vrabel as an example. I'm kind of stunned he doesn't have a job. I'm quite stunned. Now, I, I, And no disrespect to Mike McDonald when I say what I'm about to say. I, You gave me a team tomorrow yep. in Glen Burnie, and the Glen, Burnie, the Glen Burnie whatever's started playing. I would take Mike Vrabel every single day over Mike McDonald. There is always more to the story. Every day. If Mike Vrabel is someone who says, well, I want to have power over this. There's another guy that's available. He was a coach in New England for a while. Here he was okay. (laughs) This infatuation that people have with these coordinators is bizarre. And and ironically, people who who have been head coaches. If you're Atlanta and Bill Belichick says, I need to have power, you say, by all means, have all the power that you want. If Mike Vrabel is demanding power, I could maybe understand why teams are like, hey, dude, we like you and we want you to be the coach, but you haven't really earned – have you seen who you gave the shots at, at quarterback to? Like, we, we're, not, we're not giving you that much power. I mean, it doesn't seem like he made the call I'm, I'm not, for A.J. Brown. And, I'm not – oh, on that, that trade, one specifically? Yeah, yeah I, I, I think that he probably wouldn't have done that. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. But, you know, if he said, I want Ryan Tannehill – it worked for a minute. I don't know. Maybe maybe he was okay. Everyone say the Tannehill, Tannehill going back to the Pittsburgh to follow Arthur Smith. Sure. By all means. Go right ahead. <laughs> I, I'm in favor. I just want that to be stated for the record. It's another year where they don't have a real quarterback. They'll win 10 games next year, nine games with Ryan Tannehill as their quarterback. They won't be an actual threat. Like, by all means, go right ahead and keep doing that forever. Um, it's an interesting one. I would tell you I'm I'm in, I'm a Vrabel guy. I'm a believer in Vrabel. I like Vrabel. For what it's worth, on a real t- I think at this point he's probably the type that says I'd rather be out of football altogether than stepping back to being a coordinator. Like I'd rather go do TV next year and take a year or two off. You know, whatever it is and remind people that I was a successful head coach. Get back to Ohio State. Well, I also think, by the way, that there is merit in, and I'm not suggesting Sean Payton is the prototype for this, but I do think – those guys with the schedule they lead, people have no. Again, this yeah, goes yeah. back to people. You have, yeah, people have no idea. What you mean you're to tell about. me I can make money and I don't have to work 18 hours a day? Right. Yeah. And I, I do need a breather. Yep. I I do want to see my kids. Yep. I would like to reconnect with my wife. I I just need a breather. And I'm f- whatever Vrabel is. And I'm 52. And I. By the way, you guys are welcome. This will be the longest show of all time. It's like Springsteen, yeah. a year when I went to see him, he played four hours. Yep. Um, we haven't even got to Jungle Land yet. That's nine minutes. We right, haven't yeah. played Thunder Road. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I, I I think they need a break, and I think it makes complete sense for them to take a year off, reposition themselves, wait for next year when the Steelers finally fire Tomlin and you can go get that job or whatever, right? Like, I get it. And it and might this, be different. This, for, these if, jobs that are available now, this commander's job is garbage. I mean, let's be honest. It's a garbage I job. Saw somebody posturing about that yesterday that, that he's surprised that we're treating it that we're not treating it better with the new ownership. Uh, and I would I guess I would say like if I'm a prospective head coach, you gotta prove that to me. Yeah. For what yeah. it's worth, I would far rather be in Seattle than in Washington still. I, I would too. But I mean but I, 
I'm not even so sure Seattle's a great gig, but the ownership there has been very yeah, good. I think the ownership there's. I don't think there's any reason. These to coaches think that it isn't. almost all judge it now. Oh, I shouldn't say. Mike McDonald would take a job if Dundalk had a team because because he wants to be head coach. Mike Vrabel isn't going to go to a garbage place. I don't think. And it's the same thing Billick used to say to you and I. Right. I'm not going to go somewhere. Yep. To, I'm not going to the Bengals. Yep, just I'm just to be the not. Coach. Right. Right. So. When you get these opportunities, that is why I was a little bit surprised Jim Harbaugh took that gig out in L.A. That said, I get it. He's got a little bit of a connection there. It's the quarterback. He does have, you a, quarterback. have a quarterback. Right. He, he's got, it's the entirety of the story there. Right. He's his, three quarters I, of a quarterback. I, um, he hadn't won anything. I, I hear you. Got to hire his GM. And have you seen Who's the that? uniforms? They do have They do have those. That part, you're on a I got to go, man. Well, well, let's get to Jungle you gotta Land. Go. You got to go get Chinese food. What let's, happened to that? Let's get to Jungle Land. Did you figure out Sunday yet? I just sent Chuck a text. <laughs> he said, go ahead and have that talk with Glenn you were talking about. So I need to visit with you. Um, okay. Yeah. All right. Drew and Rita here on 105. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the- <laughs> Rita and Drew, Drew and Rita. Wow. I actually would be fascinated to have that show would go. I got to be honest with you. I would love to hear that show. Uh, we, why, we wouldn't get along, Rita? And I, do, I, I think it would almost be the weirdest show of all time. Why? Like I think there would be at times where she'd be ready to strangle you. And I, I don't know. I think it would be fun. I think there would be a fun element to that show. I would love to hear that she show. She seems harmless. She's awesome. She's the greatest co-host. Yeah, she, She's the best co-host I've ever had. <laughs> easy. <laughs> she seems harmless. Is she best mean? Best I've ever worked with. I think she's capable of being mean. Okay. I, I like that. I think she's quite... I know she's capable of being mean. She holding the Ravens accountable? She's... <laughs> Light into her. She was she was ready to throw a parade last night. She was like, if oh, I'm for the Orioles, yeah. She's like, if I wasn't here, I'd be out partying with everybody. I, I'm telling you, if this were June, it, it, there would have been those streets would have been filled. Last I, night. As I said, if on if on opening day they announce an extension for one of these guys, the new ownership, I'll I'll go put the speedo on and run around. I'll do the Jeremy Con bit. I'll do it. I mean, like. If that's if that's what what happens here, Ryan O'Hearn, three years, the one that fifty eight million, <laughs> one of the, the three guys for one of those three. All right, all right, uh, Griffin, what's going on at uh, the Green Turtle these days? Uh, the Green Turtle, they have live in person sports betting now, and uh, Jeremy Khan's doing a, uh, a sports betting one on one tomorrow in Canton. Uh, it's tomorrow night, uh, because but they are also offering a free ten dollar bets at the Green Turtle Sportsbooks in Towson and Canton every Thursday as well. Uh, you can experience the ultimate destination for game day excitement, great food, and live in-person betting. So make sure to check out the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbooks in Towson and Canton. Go pick up your free bet, make some money while enjoying some food and sports. That's tomorrow night at the Green Turtle Sportsbooks in Towson. All right, very, very good. Let's get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you by the print issue of Press Box, which is still available right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms. It's the best of issue. Uh, PressBoxOnline.com slash best of. For what it's worth, I was informed it's going to be maybe a week or so later than you, typical for the next print issue of PressBox because we had already built in that backup in case the Ravens were in the Super Bowl. We went ahead and built in some extra time, so this one will continue to be on stands for like an additional week past when we would normally have a new issue out. So if you haven't picked it up, go get it right now. It is a very important a issue, one, to, issue, issue to us, so make sure you have picked it up. What you got? Uh, all right, so I was going to, or I mean, I will be doing. You want us the, to skip? Is tidbit? Can we? I hold mean, it? I had it relevant today because the Ori- the Orioles will be the be eleventh largest sale uh, if this goes through one point oh. seven two five billion of of all sports. Yes, or a- of all of all sports franchises. There have been ten that have costed more than the Orioles. If these cost. numbers are accurate, it's cost. Yeah, yeah. one point seven. 
The Mets. Uh, yes, the Mets. They would be the sixth most. Does this include like soccer franchises? Yes, it does. <sighs> God damn it! There's only one. I don't know which of the soccer teams were. Well, because sold. most of them have been. Uh, the the Orioles would just have, would have just passed this one for eleventh. Uh, so it's technically not in the top ten. So you don't have to name it. So there are no soccer teams. There's one. There's God damn it. Yeah, there's one. I told you. Is it Real Madrid? It is not Real Madrid. Is it? Is it a, a Brit- just, British? Uh, yes. They were sold last Man year. Man U. Man U, last time they were sold was Man City. Chelsea. Liverpool. Chelsea. Chelsea. Number two Chelsea. on the list. $5.3 billion last year. Uh, the Commanders. The Commanders, number one, Josh Harris. Number one. I, I guess Six I did. $6.1 billion. That is the largest uh, sale of a pro sports team. I got, it's just remembering history. who is sold. That's the part right. that's like... Um, the... The Panthers were sold a couple years ago. The Panthers were indeed sold. David Tepper bought them for 2.275. That is seventh, right behind the Mets. Um, The Broncos? The Broncos are number three on the list behind Chelsea and uh, and Washington. 4.65 by the Walton family. The... Was sold. Oh, the uh, well, I don't know if it counts. The Mavericks were just sold, right? The that one, I guess, hasn't gone through. Do we have like a number on that yet? I don't know. Um, I that one's not on the list. Okay. Do not have that one on the list here. What about the uh, the Clippers when they when Donald Sterling sold yes, them? Yes, the Clippers uh, are tenth. Let's see. Yeah, I don't think the Mavericks counts yet. Uh, the Clippers are tenth. Uh, two billion dollars back in 2014 to Steve Ballmer. Oh, the uh, uh, the the Suns, uh, Suns Matt are, uh, Matt uh, Ish, Ishbia. Ishbia, Ishbia, yes, four billion dollars. The Suns and Mercury, number four. Got to remember the scandals that forced owners out. I'm just trying to remember right. who was sold. I'm assuming there's no hockey teams on the list. There are no hockey teams. So I've got seven of them. E one. So I need three two. more. Yeah, you need three more. There's a two basketball teams two and a basketball, basketball team. teams and a baseball team. Two basketball teams and a baseball team. Two basketball teams and a baseball team. Who, what basketball teams are sold? Yikes. I don't remember. Uh. 2019, the fifth one on this list, for $3.3 billion. I don't. Twenty. Uh, that's not when Joe Sy bought the Nets. That right? is. That oh, is it is? It, yes. Yes, it is. Joe Sy and the Nets, $3.3 billion. Number five on the list. And now we're missing eight and nine. Uh, the basketball team's tough. Like this one would be tough to remember. It was 2017 when they were sold. 2017. Um, for 2.2 billion dollars. I don't know. The Houston Rockets were sold in 2017. I thought the for T for for yeah for for Rita for Tita. Is that his for, name? I thought yeah, I thought it was for Tita. I thought they always owned, owned the right. Maybe I just think that they. Or he it. he like owned it and then he had like bought like the majority like oh, the rest of it okay. back in 2017. Okay. And then number nine on the list. Pretty good bargain here for two point one five billion. This baseball team. Oh, the Dodgers. The Dodgers. Yeah, yeah. The, Dodgers. the Dodgers. I forgot about that. Yeah. Two billion dollars. That seems back in twenty twelve. Yep. Yeah. You're right. You're right. All right. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Tidbit was also brought to you by Goose Flights, available all over town in Cannes at uh, Alonzo's on Cold Spring Lane, at the Green Turtle in Canton. Also available in uh, cans and six packs at the Costas Inn, as well as at Guilford Hall Brewery. Cans available, I mentioned, at uh, your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. And six packs and cases available at the Wine Source in Hamden. 
Find out more about where it's located. Pressboxonline.com slash gooseflights. 198 of every can sold goes to the Goose Flights Foundation and what they're doing to provide non-emergency medical transport for those in need. Tubular brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and by a Toyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals and new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Maryland women tonight against Indiana, 7 o'clock on Peacock, ESPN Plus, Loyola and Bucknell at 7, Navy and Lehigh at 7, Big Ten Hoops tonight, Northwestern Purdue at 6.30, Penn State Rutgers at 8.30, both on Big Ten Network. How about Tennessee losing last night right before the Kentucky showdown? How about that? There was somebody else. Who else lost last night? Somebody else? Um, somebody lo- oh, Carolina uh, yeah, lost, Carolina right? Lost yeah, Carolina lost last night. Yeah. And, um, oh, no, uh, Marquette tried to blow a big lead against Villanova, right, they but they did. ultimately Man, won. I bet on Villanova. Oh, did you? I was, cause I was looking and they up. didn't cover? Uh, no, they didn't. They, they, well, no, Villanova was favored. What? It was It was one of those weird lines. Well, because they, like, home, yeah, yeah. They, they were home. They played in the little building again, too. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, all the rest of the college basketball find at glennclarkradio.com. ESPN tonight for Bucks Trailblazers at 10. Suns Nets at 8.30 on ABC. Mm. Monumental Clippers Wizards at 7 o'clock. Uh, TNT is Kings Predators at 7.30. USA for Tottenham Hotspur and Brentford at 2.30. TBS for AW Dynamite at 8. Non-sports highlights? Um, not a whole lot. FX uh, has a new feud series. It's called Capote versus the Swans, and it looks pretty pretty good so like it's the, about Truman Cap- yes okay. yeah Truman right. Capote um like it's a good cast Molly Ringwald Demi Moore Diane Lee Naomi Watts Chloe Sevigny huh? is in it um, like it looks good I don't know I don't know but it's, it's on FX at 10 um that's really the only new show uh, Sh- Arnold Schwarzenegger will be on a uh, Fallon along with Catherine Newton I do love Arnold Schwarzenegger and uh then Samuel Jackson will be, will be on Kimmel okay yeah. Very good. Very good. Tubular was also brought to you today by Superbook. Again, if you're betting any of the games tonight, go to Superbook.com, download the Superbook app, use the code GlennClark23 when you sign up. You'll receive up to $250 in a same-day first bet match, win or lose from Superbook. All right. Um, thanks today to Drew Forrester. Thanks to Marty Conway. Thanks to Wes Brown. Thanks to Dan Wilcox and to Trey Wingo, who you're about to hear from. We'll get it all up in the greatest hits section of the... Oh, my God. It's so good. Tab at glennclarkradio.com. On the program tomorrow, Jameer Young is going to join us. Of course, uh, the outstanding Maryland point guard. I feel like there was something else. Um, We'll keep talking Orioles, I guess. Yeah, I think John Aurend, who originally broke the story, is going to join us tomorrow. Mm -hmm. But why did I feel like there was something else that was tomorrow? I don't know. Yeah. I got nothing, but uh, we'll figure it out by tomorrow. Stuff and things. That's what we got coming up. Thanks, everybody at Pressbox. All of our great sponsors and partners, including Live Casino and Hotel, Mother's North Grill, AJ Michaels, Guilford Hall Brewery, Royal Farms, Costa Sin, Superbook Sports, Glory Days Grill, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Wednesday evening. Go Maryland women, Loyola, and Navy. Duke sucks. Now we wrap up the longest show in the history of We need to talk about the Duke sucks now again. Do we need to revisit that? What do you mean? With Rubenstein. Oh, right. We did say. I did throw it out there. Just to make the show a little longer. Not doing it today. We'll talk about it after it's finalized. Um, We wrap up today's show. I had the opportunity a little bit earlier on to catch up with uh, our friend Trey Wingo. Talk about the, the demise of the Ravens. It's right now here on GCR. Well, it's always a pleasure to be joined by our next guest. I really appreciate his insights. I was checking out uh, Chasing It with he and Chase Daniel after 
The Ravens, unfortunately, lost. Yeah, 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 we've been through it enough. We don't need to go through it again. We know what happened. But over at the 33rd team, they've got a great podcast. He is Mr. Trey Wingo, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Trey, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's good to chat with you, man. Thank you so much for taking the time for us. Glenn, and anytime. How how are things in the Charm City right now? Eh, they were a lot better six days ago. You know? <laughs> a lot better then. Great. I, I really appreciate uh, your guys' perspective, both of you, actually. And I, and I think yeah. it, it follows. It's so easy and, and you know, the loudest and the people that say the most ridiculous things get the most attention. Um, what I appreciate is that, like, that's not always the case. And a few of the things yeah. that you guys were talking about that I really appreciated. One, as you said it straight up, and I, I, I don't know where the line is between how much the Chiefs did and how much the Ravens did in terms of getting to this result. But I did think that the Ravens conspired, and it was the one thing we kept saying all week last week. If the Ravens are going to lose, they have to conspire. They they have to, yeah. and they did. They more were more than willing conspirators in that. And before we get to Lamar Jackson, I, I did. I absolutely thought it started with a bizarre game plan that they had either going in or went to in what felt like panic. And panic has been the word that I keep coming back to all week because it just seemed like it got away from everybody during the course of that game. Glenn, I, I think you're right. And, you know, I, I and we'll get to the Chiefs in a second, because I think that the Chiefs did do a lot of things that sort of forced the Ravens to panic. But, you know, I, I put something up on my Instagram story before the game, and I said that the Ravens should win. They're the better team. They're at home. You have the MVP starting at quarterback. We assume the MVP starting at quarterback and the number one scoring defense in the NFL against an offense that has struggled. They should win. And the one question I had was, here's what I know about Kansas City. They know how to handle the moment. I have no idea if the Ravens know how to handle that moment. And, you know, the choke word is an easy one to sort of throw out there. I'm just looking at the empirical evidence. You had, in the first half, Lamar completed five passes, one to himself. Mm-hmm. Um, you had uh, the, 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 the number one scoring defense in the league that gave up two straight opening drive touchdowns to the Kansas City Chiefs, a team, by the way, that had really struggled in the red zone this year and was averaging just about 21.8 points per game. Uh, the Chiefs brought in the most penalized player in the NFL, their high-priced right tackle, Jawan uh, Taylor, um, and they led the league in drops. Now, all of that should factor in favor of the Baltimore Ravens. Well, if you look at the game plan, uh, there were three turnovers in that game, a Lamar Jackson fumble, which they skated by when Andy Reid sort of had a brain misfunction, didn't kick the field goal to go up 10 points early on the fourth and one. Um, you had two uh, end zone turnovers. One, the, a really great play by Jerry Sneed, which was sort of karmic, I guess, because the week before, Mecole Hardman had done that to keep Buffalo in the game mm-hmm. in the divisional win by the Chiefs up at Orchard Park. And then the the late throw by Lamar into triple coverage, which was really, it was on, I think it was second and 10. Was it not on that yeah. throw? Or, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was. That's a fourth down throw. That's not a second down throw because you got you got to put it somewhere in fourth down. Four, count them, four personal foul penalties. And before we get into the refs were against us, I mean, if the refs were against the Chiefs, why would they wipe off a, a touchdown on second and 14 that would have put them up 24 to 7 at the end of the half? So let's just throw that out. Each one of those penalties was egregious and obvious. I mean, Travis Kelsey, veteran move, baited Ben Noy into headbutting him. Easy call. Uh, Henry hitting Patrick Mahomes in the helmet, in the head, as he's trying to run by him. They're going to make that call every time. Jadavion Clowney headbutting 
Patrick Mahomes on a drive. They're going to make that call every time. And then after the big Zay Flowers reception, what does he do? He stands over and taunts, and we can have the conversation about whether or not you should be allowed to do that. The rules say you can't. The rules say you can't. And then, of course, that pushed him back, and that led to the great play led by LeJarius Sneed. So you have three turnovers, four personal foul penalties, and a game plan in which you drop back 82% of the time for a team that ran the ball 31 times in the regular season, the number one rushing defense. All of those things to me are indications that they got out of their comfort zone. And you can say, well, they were behind. So what? The Ravens go are behind all the time. They rely on the things that they do best to win. Those things to me all were indications that as an organization, not just Lamar, and he had his issues and we can talk about that, but the organization from coaching to discipline to turnovers, the moment got to them. It's the way it is. It's what it felt like. Trey, you, you point out, and and I thought that when in your podcast with Chase, he was right to point out, hey, you know, we, we still need to praise the Chiefs. And yeah. I don't think the Chiefs were overwhelming on Sunday. I don't know how it could. No. They didn't score a point in the second half. But I think that they showed the blueprint. And, and the lesson is you can't do this. And they didn't. They didn't screw up. They didn't. Yeah have those Clean moments sheet. no turnovers right? no turnovers exactly yeah. right and this is what it takes to beat a team that's been there before that knows what they're doing that's well coached you can't screw up and think you're good enough to beat that team to me that was the lesson that came from this game of they knew they knew just don't screw it up don't yeah. you know don't make the big mistake and we're going to be all right bill belichick has a great line and uh you know, obviously it's kind of weird that he's still looking for work and that's a whole different discussion we can have. More games are lost in the NFL than won. And I definitely think that happened in the Lions-Niners uh, game. Brock Purdy was great in the second half, but you have a 17-point lead. You kind of have to give it up, you know, by not doing anything right in the second half. The Chiefs' defense was outstanding. And they're the number two scoring defense. They were the number one second half scoring defense, and they only gave up three points. They don't give up chunk plays. So they did a lot of things well, but you're right. After it got to 17 to seven, you know, the Chiefs didn't get a ton of first downs in the second half. That defensive front was starting to dominate the the Chiefs offensive line without Joe Tooney. And, and you know, they they really they they did what they needed to do. So, you know, the Chiefs were sort of hanging on in the second half. They got a couple of first downs and were able to move the clock a little bit. And then they had the dagger play when they needed to. Uh, to Marquez Valdez Scantling, but they didn't. They didn't beat themselves, mm-hmm. you know. And and I think that's that's the thing. It, it, you you just can't have two turnovers in the red zone. You can't have four personal foul penalties, which extend drives. Like those things are indications of the crucible being felt by that team. Instead of responding to the moment, it's being sort of overwhelmed by the moment. And I know the players won't say that, and they won't feel it. But the proof is in the pudding. I mean, it's in it's in it's in the things that happened and it's not saying they can't overcome it. It's just that they didn't. And they'll have they'll have to show that they can for for someone to believe, OK, we understand that you understand now. So Trey Ringo is with us here on GCR from the 33rd team. And Trey, that to me, that next step of this, I, I like we live in a society where everything is, you know, goat and trash, right? Like you're either the greatest of all time or you're trash. Which is and ridiculous. It's Let's absurd. Be honest. It's ridiculous. It's yes. utter, utterly absurd. The Lamar Jackson takeaway, he didn't play well enough. There's that's there's no getting around that. Was he garbage? No, he made plays. No. He wasn't good enough to win an AFC championship game, the first that he ever played in. 
But compounding that with his playoff history, it's easy to put him under this microscope. And I don't know what else. And being around this young man, seeing how he's driven, my takeaway is this stinks. It, It really does sting because you felt like you were the better team. But there's nothing about this young man that suggests to me that he won't be hellbent, driven by having been there and had this happen and have every reason to believe that he's going to put himself in these situations for the years to come because there's no question about what a quality football player he is. I, I agree. You know, there are a lot of people that thought that Lamar going into this game was actually better than uh, Patrick. Now, I, you know, I, I tend to believe if you look at the numbers, Patrick Mahomes is on goat status, goat track. I mean, go yeah. the first six seasons compared to Brady outside of Super Bowl wins. He's ahead of him in every single category and he could tie him if they actually beat the 49ers. Uh, in, in a couple of weeks, Lamar was not helped by the game plan. I, I, I believe that, you know, I mean, th- how many times on Sunday did we see uh, sort of a mush rush and Lamar had all kinds of time to throw uh, and the secondary was doing a great job. And eventually he took off and made some plays with his feet. But again, I, I go back to why you throw it or drop back as throw it because you know, a lot of those were Lamar Jackson improvised runs. Why you decide, even though you're only down 10, I mean, beat yep. who you are, you score one touchdown, it's a three-point game. So it's not, to me, that's not an insurmountable lead. Um, going 82% dropbacks for a team that was, I'm like, I'm third and one. They dropped back and it was incompletion. Then they got a sack on fourth down to make it fourth and three. Now they can they converted it. I understand that. But third and one, freaking shove it up in there twice. You know, right. you're, you're going right. to get the yard. You right. know, right. you're 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 dominating the line of scrimmage. So those things, as much as we can, we'll focus on Lamar, and people will. I don't think he was helped by the way the game was called. I just don't. I, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly, and I think he's too good. I, I again, I'm. It, it's a it's a bummer, right? Like this is where the the yeah. line for me as a talk show host and, and Trey, you'll understand that between being a fan and an analyst is very difficult. Like it's a bummer. It's a huge bummer. But this guy's good. He's really yeah. freaking good. Um, yeah. the, the, the obvious parallel that's been brought up is the comparison to Peyton Manning, who started his sure. career two and four in the postseason. Like this, hap- Matthew Stafford, it took nearly to the end of his career to win a Super Bowl. I, I, I think the there's been some, I don't know, uh, goalpost moving maybe with Lamar yeah. Jackson and how quickly we've tried to measure him and say Correct. either you got to win a Super Bowl right now or. Or, or you're worthless. I, I don't. I don't know how to describe it. It stinks, and and yeah. it would have been great for this city if they would have won. But I don't think it's a fair measurement to say Lamar Jackson hasn't won a Super Bowl yet, so he can't be as good as some of these other guys. You know, Patrick Mahomes has won most of these recently. Yeah, I mean, like there's there's two ways to look at this, right? Like you, Dan Marino doesn't need a Super Bowl ring for me to realize that he's arguably one of the top five, if not top right. four, three quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. Just go look at, look at how he played. I mean, 48 touchdowns in the 80s with the way they played defense and the things that you could do to wide receivers, get out of here. Like, get out of here. Um, and then you mentioned Patrick. The other part of this is there's a reason Charles Barkley only has one MVP. Mm-hmm. There was a reason Carl Malone only had one MVP. The other guy was winning them all, like Michael Jordan. That's the problem here. As like Same thing for Josh Allen. Same thing for Joe Burrow. Like all these quarterbacks are excellent. They're excellent, except Michael Jordan is playing in Kansas City. Tiger yeah. Woods is playing in Kansas City. This is this is the kind of thing we're talking about. And I hope it eases people's minds about Lamar Jackson. I did some numbers this week. You know, one of the things about and Baltimore is obviously a huge baseball town, and the Orioles 
are fantastic. So you guys will appreciate this or not because it'll bring back some bad memories. You know, Derek Jeter's postseason career is ridiculous, right? He played in 158 postseason games, which is absurd. That's basically an entire baseball regular season of postseason games. And that's when you're spacing the top two, occasionally top three pitcher on the staff, but you're getting their, their aces and you're not getting hacks against fourth and fifth or spot starters, right? That those don't exist in the playoffs. In those 158 games, Derek Jeter hit 308, 20 home runs, 61 RBIs, 111 runs scored, 20-plus stolen bases. Mm -hmm. So basically, he had an MVP-type campaign in his postseason career. Well, this was the 17th playoff game for Patrick Mahomes. In his 17 playoff games, the Chiefs are 14-3. and He's accounted for 45 total touchdowns, passing and running. He has eight giveaways in 17 playoff games. His completion percentage is 67% higher than it is in the regular season. And his passer rating, and we all know it's a flawed stat, but it's still a measurement. His passer rating in postseason play is right around 107. Why is that significant? His regular season passer rating is 92. Ah. So against ah. the best teams in football, including the number one scoring defense in Baltimore last season, he elevates his, his game to a different level. And so you have to, you have to take that into the equation. Sometimes the other guy is just better. And if you're going to beat him, you can't have three turnovers. You can't have two red zone turnovers. You can't have discipline issues. And you can't have wonky play calling. All of those things have to be perfect for your really, really, really good quarterback to beat arguably the best quarterback. How much criticism should John Harbaugh face? And I'm a, you know, I, yeah. I'm a Harbaugh guy, right? Like, and it's not, I, I like John Harbaugh. I just really like consistency. I really like the yeah. fact that the Baltimore Ravens are good year in and year out. I think it's absurd when someone suggests that John Harbaugh should be fired. But, you know, like, I, I also understand that there has been not an overwhelming amount of playoff success since the Ravens won the Super Bowl in 2012. And I don't know how to articulate like the, I, I feel like I just keep saying like, yeah, they should win more in the playoffs. But I, on the other side of things, would he not want to have John Harbaugh as your head coach? Like, I don't, I don't know how to describe what the reasonable way is to view John Harbaugh, the good versus this one yeah. thing that, that is fair, but I don't think is as significant as the good. Yeah, listen, listen, it, it reminds me a little bit of Andy Reid in Philadelphia, right? And, you know, Andy Reid was a consistent winner. I think they went to five NFC Championship games under yeah. Andy Reid. They only won one of them, and then they lost the Super Bowl to the Patriots when the Patriots were the peak of – well, the Patriots then were what the Chiefs are now uh, in, in that situation. So – and he's already had success. As you said, they won Super Bowl forty seven, and, and it was one of the weirdest Super Bowls I've ever been to. It was crazy. Here's the criticism I would have of John Harbaugh, and I think he would agree with this after Sunday's game. When Dick Vermeil was the head coach of the Rams, Mike Martz, when they were the greatest show on turf, Mike Martz was the offensive coordinator. Mad genius. Blah. You know, you had all these weakness. weapons. You know, Oz Zirakim was your third wide receiver. You had Torrey Smith. Uh, it's not Torrey Smith. Torrey Holt, Holt. yeah. Torrey, Torrey <laughs> Smith. Played we like Torrey Smith, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Torrey Holt, Oz Akeem, you know, Isaac Bruce, who's in the Hall of Fame. I think Torrey will go into the Hall of Fame. Ernie Conwell is your tight end. You had a myriad of ways to attack. And every once in a while, Dick Vermeil would get on the headset to Mike Martz and say, hey, if you're pardon the French, quit dicking around and give the ball to 28. 28 would be Marshall Falk. Mm -hmm. I mean, Marshall Falk was so key to that team. One year when Kurt Warner won the NFL MVP, the team, the Rams voted Marshall the team MVP. 
Okay, that's that's how important Marshall was to this organization. The one criticism I would have of John Harbaugh, and if he did it, then it's a, a, a bigger criticism of Todd Munkin. He needed to get on there and said, run the damn ball. And what are we doing? What, what right. are we doing? Run, and he even said it at halftime. We need to go out to being us. We need to run the football. But they didn't. Yep. So the only criticism I would make of John Harbaugh in this situation is if he, in fact, did, didn't have that conversation with Todd Munkin, why didn't he? Or if he did, why didn't they run the ball? And then that's a really whole other really fascinating discussion that Todd Munkin will have to answer to. But that's the criticism I would say that is a fair one of John. Look, give me a guy that consistently gives us a chance to win. I'll take that over oh, one appearance in an NFC championship game for the Lions since 1991. You know, I'll, I'll take the alternative knowing I'm going to get more opportunities, more at-bats, more reps. The one fair criticism to me would be, did you have that conversation? And if you didn't, why didn't you? All right, Trey, last one. So everybody in Baltimore is saying, man, we don't want to even watch the Super Bowl now. You know how this goes, right? You're hurt. You're exactly. stung. So sell folks in Baltimore why this is a particularly compelling Super Bowl. Well, you know, it's it's a repeat of Super Bowl 54 with a whole thing of like the Brock Purdy angle is fascinating. Um, and I think right now the early line is the Niners by two and a half, three points. Yeah. Um, here's all I'll say. At this point, why would anyone bet against 15? Like, why would you do it? Like, if, if they don't have a total brain fart at the end of the 2021 NFC, AFC Championship game where they don't kick three points when they're on the first and goal with no timeouts, um, they probably win that one. So now we're talking about a team that's potentially going to the fifth straight Super Bowl. All right. That, that's, that's the kind of thing we're looking at here. Um, the, the Niners are probably a better team. Although I think the Chiefs actually defense might be playing better than the Niners defense right now because mm. the Niners defense is getting gashed on the ground and the Chiefs can run the ball with Isaiah Pacheco. They can do that. If Tooney's healthy, their interior three of Creed Humphrey, Joe Tooney and Trey Smith are as good an interior three of any offensive line in football. Give me the reason to not think Patrick Mahomes is going to get it done. I, I, I'm going with that guy. Like I get it. I, the, the way I the way I would sell it is, and it's hard to swallow if you're an AFC team that's a contender. We're talking about institutional greatness. We're talking about legendary status here. Six straight AFC championship games. They hosted five in a row. You know the record is the Patriots in eight, but they never hosted more than three in a row. I mean, we're seeing things that have never been done before. And if you go look at uh, Patrick's first six years and compare them to the person everybody considers the GOAT, Tom Brady, he is so far ahead of him in every category except one. He has two Super Bowl rings. Brady had three in his first six years. If he gets this one, he'll have the same number of wins and Super Bowls and more appearances in Super Bowls than Tom Brady. He has a better uh, regular season record, a better playoff record than Tom Brady over that time frame, a massive advantage in touchdown passes versus interceptions and his passer rating is almost 20 points higher than Tom Brady at this point. Really nuts. So so this is what we're talking about. We're talking about legendary things that are happening. And if you appreciate football, and I know Baltimore is so ingrained in the NFL, going back to everything they've done, you know, from from the title game against the Giants, which was called the game of the century and all of this stuff. If you're a passionate football fan, just recognize what you're seeing because we may never see the likes of this again. Trey Wingo, what kind of plug for you, my friend? Uh, thanks, Glenn. We're doing the 3013 stuff with that. Check out the website and also my podcast with Chase Daniel. We're working on this app called the Stunt App. Myself and I, Mark Schler, do a show every week. 
Uh, Tuesday trivia, by the way, comes your way uh, uh, on the Stunt Up Tuesday and Thursday. It's basically a Twitter platform without all the garbage of Twitter. It's just sports. It, they, they don't care what your political beliefs are. They don't care what your fashion sense is. They don't want to know what you had for breakfast or how good your lasagna is. Just it's sports. And they give you a platform to share your views and build your own brand. So download the Stunt app uh, in the Google Play Store on Android or the App Store on an iPhone. Also have a new podcast coming up with my old co-host, uh, Kevin Frazier. Uh, ah, sports center he used to be here in baltimore we love Kevin. yeah yeah alternate routes the whole premise of the show is what if you take one thing uh and and it goes the other way let's do a, a baltimore example what happens if jeffrey mayer is called for pass interference in that game how does that change the orioles how does that change the dynasty that we talked about with the yankees we extrapolate this thing completely in a million different ways what happens if uh, Jacoby Jones doesn't make that catch against the Broncos in the fourth quarter uh, when Raheem Moore gave up the sideline and the deep ball, which is still beyond me? How does that change? Does Peyton Manning win more, more Super Bowls than he already did? Like, take one moment in time, flip it the other way, and the ripple effects are amazing. One of them, and I'll, I'm going on too long here, but uh, 1979, top of the NBA draft, the Bulls and the Lakers had a coin flip to decide who would get the number one pick. Lakers won the coin flip. And they got Magic Johnson. Yep. Showtime Lakers begin. What happens if the Bulls get that? Michael Jordan never goes to Chicago. They're, they're, not, they're not drafting that high because they're going to have success with Magic Johnson. Does Michael Jordan become the thing that he became? Does it become something different? Does Phil Jackson ever exist? Does Pat Riley ever exist with the Showtime Lakers? We have one scenario on that one where we extrapolate it out. Charles Barkley then becomes the first black president of the United States instead of Barack Obama. <laughs> it, it makes sense. It makes sense if you follow the steps. So that's, that's the whole point of it. You take one moment in sports and flip it the other way and see how crazily things change. Man, I uh, that's that. You know what? I'm you got me. I'm I'm hook, line, and yeah. sinker. I'm all in at Wingo Z. Yeah, alternate routes is the name, and it's going to drop in March. Uh, Amazon, Wondery, wherever you get your podcasts. Alternate yeah, we love routes. we love Kevin. Used to be at Fox 45 here. Great dude. Yeah. At Wingo Z on Twitter is how you follow him. Always appreciate you, Trey. Thank you so much. You got it, Glenn. Take care, buddy.